Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. IPA, the best IPA I've ever drank. Mostly because I brewed it. If you have a scale that is good for measuring cocaine, you're probably good for measuring hops. You're scaring me. <laughs> I think the information is awesome and the audio sucks. It's some sugary water, throw some yeast in there. And you're going to drink good beer. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good. Beer. It's fine. From the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the session. I'm your host today, Justin Crosley. Joining me, the great Teresa Pasuti. Hello, everybody. From Crooked Lane. Bevo is in the studio with us. Hi. And nobody else. Uh, well, Beardy's dead, you might remember. Um, JP is out sick or something. I don't know. Um, it's me and you, Teresa, holding down the fort. I know, and, and last week you were worried about the the gender balance tipping, and now it's totally it's, it's totally tipped over. It's tipped, and you know what? I feel fine. So we're going to see if you can hang, Justin. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, uh, we still have a great show planned for you today. We're going back to our homebrew roots today. Nice. Yeah, we're going to be discussing uh, how to compete and win in homebrew competitions with the two 2019 Ninkasi winners. Which I think is actually totally applicable to uh, professional brewing as well. You think so. so? Oh, yeah. All the same competition rules apply? Well, for sure. I mean, the same strategies are there, the same like thoughtful yeah. brewing and being appropriate to style and all that stuff. Sure. But, you know, actually, I'm a much more successful commercial contest entrant than I was a home brewer. Is that right? Yeah. I kind of sucked at home brewing, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. Or homebrewers are just that good. Could right. Be. How long were you a homebrewer? I didn't even know. For, for some amount of years. You did for yeah, a while. Yeah, like three, four years. Okay. Yeah. And you entered several, I entered competitions yeah. and like, honestly, it was Never a won. little lackluster. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's, it's actually kind of a shocker that I've done so well in commercial brewing. Right. But uh, yeah. Well, maybe it's that maybe there was no pressure also in the home brewing side. So. Oh no, there is always pressure. Okay. I always have pressure on myself. I see. All right. Yeah. Highly competitive. Well, then we'll tie it all together with uh, you can add your insight into how it compares to pro brewing as well for brewers. Um, You have done very well in pro competition, so uh, I think that'll be good to do. So we're doing that today. Uh, today's show is brought to you today uh, by More Beer. They bring you this session and every one that we do. Go to morebeer.com and check them out. They've got everything you need, and they're good people. And tell them that we sent you and thank them for making the show free to you for all of these years. So I um, just got back from Mexico. Oh, yesterday. you already went. I went to Mexico for the weekend for uh, Cerveza Mexico, Whoa. which was it's a beer competition and beer festival. It was in Mexico City, and I got arrested. Uh, no way. <laughs> uh, and I got in a fight with an Uber driver and got a warning from Uber about assault. Oh, my God. I was on a little bit of a rampage. <laughs> Whoa, you had quite the weekend. Yeah. I am so glad you're not still in jail, <laughs> in Mexican jail. Well, <laughs> uh, had I actually made it all the way to the jail, I would not be here because they wanted they were going to keep me for 72 hours. Oh, man. Um, okay, so so you got to tell the story. Or at least, uh, There's somewhat. not a whole lot to it other than I was drunk, um, obviously. <laughs> I walked out of uh, the bar. At the, well, they kicked us out of the bar, actually. They were closing. Oh, they were closing down. And They, poured they didn't our, kick you out because you were misbehaving. It was just No, closing. no, I wasn't misbehaving until that point. Um, okay. But when they kicked us out, they poured our beer into plastic cups. So I'm like, yeah. cool, I'm going to walk home with this. Not okay. Really? Didn't make it even across the street, and boop, there's the cop right there. Oh, no. Um, takes me in, <laughs> arrests <laughs> me for drinking on the street. So they poured you a plastic cup, but you're not allowed to drink outside the bar? Correct. I think you're allowed, I, was, I would have been allowed to like stay on their patio, Oh, but... I own a bar, and I'm like, oh, when places are closed, they're closed. Like, they want yeah. you out. Like, yeah, I try like, to be nice to, off, you know. Like, don't and stand so, here. <laughs> but I think they would have been fine with me standing <laughs> on the... And anyway, you can't just walk around the streets of Mexico City with a beer. Oh, um, man. So, you know, it was going to, you know, they kind of arrest me. It's like, it's going to be 72 hours. I'm like, come on. And, and now and I'm, actually, and I'm, now I'm kind of being a dick about it, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, it was a shakedown. I had to buy my way out. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, it was a shakedown. Wow. So now I'm like, you know, I'm like, all right, well, I'll just start pulling out some money. And the guy gets all pissy. He's like, not here. Like, there's cameras. And I'm like, you're a motherfucker. So I just start marching down the street. And I, at this point, I'm mad. I think they're going to tackle me. Like you jumped out of the cop car and started walking down the street? I was leaned against it and oh, was okay. like pulling out money. And that's when he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so I was like, fuck it then. You know, and I just start marching down the street but to, so that I can pull money out. But oh, I did it in man. such a way that I'm really surprised I didn't just get, like, tackled. Um, and anyway, you know, then he's like, there was more of us. And he's like, you know, I want, like, I want 1,500 pesos a piece. And I'm like, you know, 
look, I'm going to give you what I have in my pocket, and that's what's going to happen right now. Otherwise, fuck it, take me to jail. Yeah. um, So I paid 2,000 pesos for all all three of us (laughs) to get out, (laughs) to not have to go to jail for 72 hours. What is 2,000 pesos? Yeah. Not much. 50 bucks, less, less than 50 bucks. Oh, man. To not go to jail. That's so crazy. I I don't know. I'm seriously, I would pay like high hundreds to not go to a jail in Mexico City. So I, but not if I didn't have it in my pocket. I mean, well, right. And then what are you going to do? And I feel oh, the man. same. But I was in such a way. I was feeling very. I don't know. I've been a little reckless lately. Mm. Feisty. Yeah. And part of me wanted to go to jail. Part of me was like. I want to see what this is about. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> and I was pissed off at being shaken down. And so my friend um, had to shut me up. He's like, you need to shut the fuck up right now. They're going to take us to jail. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck it. Take me to jail for a beer. You know, and I'm like, it, it was not. <laughs> and he's like, man, you don't, you don't shut Your up. Your friend is like, voice of reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy shit. You had, uh, you had a way more exciting weekend than me. <laughs> Mine was pretty good. <laughs> and then the next day, I go. They had a, um, a Dios de los Muertos parade that I wanted to go check out, like in the city center. And I got all the way down there, and um, and then it was really hard to get out of there. There was just thousands and thousands of people, and so mm-hmm. uh, by the time I finally caught an Uber. The guy, I get in for like a block, and the guy doesn't like the destination, and I'm like, "Listen, man, I've been trying to get an Uber." I was being cool. I was like, I've been trying to get an Uber for, um, you know, like an hour, and you got to take me. He's like, no. Oh, he's just, it's all in Spanish. He wants to go pick up his kid or some fucking, I don't know. But he won't have it. He won't have it. He, like, pulls over. No. So he took your ride, and then he pulled over, and it was like, no, over. He's like, I'm out. not taking you. And uh, so now, now I'm furious, and I get out, and I, like, slam his door. And now he's, like, getting halfway out of his car yelling at me, and I'm like, yeah. Right now, get out of your car. I was so feisty, I don't know what was wrong with me. He gets back in his car and attempts to run me over in the the street. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, he would have barely run me over. I would have landed, you know, whatever. Yeah, so like a broken leg, not a a full chest crushing. And I'm like screaming. And again, my friend's like, come on, let's just go get another... So I get a notice from Uber about assaulting their driver. They're like warning me that I could be banned. That I'm like, I did not assault your driver entirely. Oh my god, Justin! <laughs> I almost assaulted your driver. Uh, I'm going to say there was equal parts wrongness happening here. I'm sure there was. There's probably parts missing. Oh man, I was on a little bit of a rampage. Jeez, do you need a handler? Are like, you on you can steroids right now? I'm not. I. <laughs> I might have forgotten my antidepressants for the weekend, but that's probably all. Uh, I don't know. I just was kind of fired up and and annoyed. You think? Yeah. <laughs> so the weekend was great, though. Uh, Cerveza <laughs> Mexico is an awesome event, the coolest event, and we have a ton of listeners down there. I'm like walking through, and everyone's like, Justin, Justin, like, it's so fun to meet all these people, all Latin American brewers. Yeah. By the way, I'm not talking about Americans that were there. These are all, like, Latin American brewers. Um, great beer. 
uh, got invited to, because uh, they don't know what kind of person I am traveling, apparently. <laughs> I got invited to all parts of Mexico, Puerto Vallarta, Colima. Oh, I got invited to Peru. I got invited to Argentina. Like, Oh, that's, so, that's so rad. So my friend is living in Puerto Vallarta right now. Uh-huh. And I, I met them. I are met, you kidding? I met their brewer. So oh. your friend is not the brewer. No. I no, my m- friend is my one of my childhood friends who is teaching down there. She's teaching art. So... I met the brewers that are there. They're oh. American expats. Okay, yep. They listen to the show. They yep. love you on the show, by the way. Yeah. And they mentioned, uh, yeah, hey, Teresa knows our friend. She's planning a trip down I'm here. I'm going to come was down like, there. She's not planning a trip down there without me. Well, okay, Justin, <laughs> January 2020. It's, oh, you've, it's already, happening. you've already got I don't know. I haven't, I haven't booked my stuff, but seriously, I'm going to go down there and do a collab with these guys Yeah. and be on the beach. Yeah, in oh, Puerto Vallarta, you can freaking but, amazing. But you want to go with Justin at this point? I, 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 <laughs> it's I'm, an adventure. I think it would be God fun. Bro. Question mark. <laughs> it's definitely an adventure. I think I could dial him back to just like fun guy, not that guy. Probably, maybe. maybe. I don't know. Or, or are we just like park him somewhere? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> just put me on the beach. Yeah, just put you on the a beach. Twelve pack and tell me to shut up. Yeah, just. Uh, do not just give him a T-shirt that says "Do not engage." I should have brought all the brewers' names, but the brewers from Puerto Vallarta said that they will come up here and do a show. So <gasps> that's cool. And then we'll go down there yeah. and visit them. The brewer, uh, the other place, the brewer's called Colima, which I feel like we've talked to on the show at some point or in some way, or someone brought us their beer. Great beer, great beer. And then I'm talking to the brewer about how awesome Colima sounds, and I'm like. Fuck it. I'm coming to you for the show. You're not coming to me. <laughs> Forget Concord. Um, yeah. So just met a bunch of really nice people and had some good beer. Um, beer festivals are a little different there. You. Uh, so this was um, a little bit like a GABF um, for Mexico. Oh, like a big, so there's a competition, big competition. And then there's a big hall. Uh-huh. But instead of just a bunch of tables where the breweries are a little bit faceless at GABF. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys have like banners and stuff, but unless yeah. you unless you pay for like an end cap or an extra space or I don't know what it is, whatever the deal is. Here, every brewery has a full-on booth. Oh, yeah. They set up a bar. They set up a whole thing. You get to see all their branding. Uh, it's their staff pouring for you, and you pay for each beer. Oh, okay. But it's like So nothing. you can have like you can have a decent pour. You don't have that yeah. one ounce ridiculous Correct. Pour. You get to choose between, well, actually, each brewery can choose what they want to pour you. So there's okay. like an, there's an event glass, which was probably only like a, maybe a 12 ounce glass, something like that. Uh-huh. Or you, or you could have gotten the bigger one, like a shaker pint, you know? Mm-hmm. And then each brewery chose, like, you, you could either pay for different sizes, or they just, just they decided. Like, yeah. some breweries, you could buy a four-ounce pour, and others, you had to buy at least eight ounces and some 16 and whatever. Oh, wow. And you just paid for it, but it's pretty cheap. Like, 
I would say the most I paid for a beer the whole weekend, including at the festival, was like three dollars. Yeah. Once you do the pesos conversion, mm-hmm. but you just you don't get like a festival pass and then walk around and fill your glass. Like that's not you know, right. It's a little right. Different. You don't pay for the whole thing. Which, by the way, is fairly unique to the U.S. Anyway, I think I know there are there are other places like that that I've been to, mm-hmm. um, but I think like the Great British Beer Festival, you kind of pay for your samples, and this one you pay for your samples or your pints or whatever. Well, and, and for the breweries, I'm assuming they actually make the they money. Keep the money. Yeah. I yeah. mean, so all the fests that we do in the U.S., they're always like, you know, you donate your beer for something and then you're just trying to get marketing out of it. But right. When you get involved in so many festivals, especially for little tiny breweries, it's like yeah. you're giving away all this beer and you're kind of like, well, I got to kind of dial back the whole festival thing a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Actually. It was cool. Yeah. So my favorite, and there are there, I had a lot of good beer. Um, so please forgive me if I don't mention your name. But my favorites were Colima. Um, just every style they had was good, and uh, Insurgentes, which I think is right there out of Mexico City. They also made some killer beer, hoppy like hoppy, awesome um, American style IPAs and uh, hazies, and you name it. Everybody, uh, almost everybody had good beer. So how many breweries do you think were involved? Well, I heard that there were about 1,100 entries into the competition, and I think that's probably among, I want to say something like, somewhere between 300 and 400 breweries. I had the website open. That's awesome. Um, I mean, that's probably like JBF used to be in the... In the 90s sometime, right? Yeah, and so beer is growing up there pretty rapidly. This was, um, oh, it's a whole thing. I'm going to put in my date of birth. Uh, (laughs) This was their 10th year doing it. Oh, wow. Um, So I think it's grown quite a bit. Uh, The the competition side certainly has. And then they do the awards the night before the event starts. So that's on Thursday night. That's the night I got there. It's the only night I didn't get in any trouble. Um, <laughs> and then the event starts Friday. But by then, every brewery who won in the awards the night before has, like, they make them, like, an official placard that's, oh, yeah. that's at their booth. So you go around and have all you the You go around and winners. you try them. Where, like, at JBF, it's cool, You if, especially if you're in the Saturday member session, you get yeah. to kind of go do that, but you got to rush around. you got to look exactly, through the list yeah. and go, wait, who won, who won, who won? Mm-hmm. Here, it's labeled on every brewery's booth with the same banner. Like, every brewery gets the, you know, the same banner. So you know what's up like, and what they won for. So that was cool. Yeah. I would just, after a little while, especially if you're going to pay for beer, you just kind of go around and you go, oh, they won a medal. I better try that one. Mm-hmm. Like made it easier to pick, too. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. That sounds fun. It was fun. It's probably good I didn't go to jail. I wouldn't be here. I would have missed my flight yesterday. Yeah. It was also a whole fiasco getting there. Uh, which, like, the world was against me. I probably should have known. Uh, other than the fact that it all worked out fine, I, like, booked a flight a few weeks ago on Kayak. By the way, fuck you, Kayak. <laughs> don't ever, don't even bother sponsoring my show. And I get confirmation, and then, but I didn't get, like, seats assigned. So I, I left on Thursday. Last Monday, I go check, and I... I just log in and they're like my my whole itinerary is canceled. This is canceled. I call kayak. I'm like, hey, uh, what happened? We don't know. Call the airline. <laughs> like, call 
airline book. Okay. And I said to him, too, I said, you and I both know what the airline's going to say to me. They're going to say, call you. Yeah. Because they booked it through you. And she's like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> call the airline. And they're like, we don't know. So, no, n- like nothing. Oh, no. So this is on Monday. Now I'm like, well, now I'm not going to be able to go. I look up a flight real quick. It's twice the price. Yeah. Know? Then by Tuesday, I was like, man, I really want to go. I was like, had my heart set on it. <laughs> so I find, I found a cheap flight. I found like the same flight direct from San Francisco to Mexico City through Aero Mexico. Go on there. I booked the whole thing. I'm like, I hit, put my credit card information and in, I press submit. You know, it's like processing, 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 error. Try again. <laughs> oh, shit. So I go back, and now we already, we already have a reservation for this card. Like what? I know something. So I go back, and now that flight's not available. No direct flight. Oh, uh, of course. But like, I got something close with the connection. So I do the whole thing. I enter the this time. I enter a different credit card just yeah. in case. You know, I don't know. Maybe I didn't pay my bills. Uh, submit processing, processing, processing error. Oh. So I go look at my credit card. I get charged for both. I go to my email. I have an itinerary for both. <laughs> All right, no big deal. I'm keeping my cool. Yeah, I'm just gonna call Aeromexico and tell them what happened. Uh huh. I call them up. I'm like, hey, your website glitched out. You know, like, yeah, no problem, sir. Give us a couple minutes. They come back. We cannot refund one of your flights because they're not identical. It's not. It, was, it wasn't a duplicate charge. And I'm like, listen to me. <laughs> It's not identical because your website <laughs> fucked up. And when I went back, the flight wasn't available. But it's the yeah. same person on the same day going to the same goddamn place. So it's obvious like that I wouldn't have just bought myself two tickets. Yeah. Can't help you. You have to send an email to customer service. An email. There's an no email. number. There's no number for this sort of thing. I sent an email. Nothing. Call my credit card company. I'm like, look. They won't talk to me. I got to dispute this charge. They're like, cool. We'll do that. It's still pending once it's done. Fine. A little while later, you get a call from my credit card company. There was a charge in Mexico on your card for five cents. Uh, Are you in Mexico? No, but I did reserve a hotel, but I chose to pay when I get to the hotel. Yeah. And they're like, no, somebody physically ran your card in Mexico. Oh my so and I'm like, ah, are you sure? Because I, you know, I'm going to Mexico. It's kind of a. Qu- They're like, no, someone has a physical copy of your card that they ran in Mexico. So we have to. If you're, are you in Mexico? No, I'm not. Then we have to cancel your card. You can't cancel my card because it's the only card I have that doesn't have international fees. To you know, I yeah. need it. Also, I have reservations. And well, you are leaving tomorrow. Like you, can't I was leaving. Your I'm card. now leaving the following day. I'm yeah. literally leaving. Yeah, uh, and they're like, well. Um, it won't affect your reservations, but we have to cancel. We're canceling the card. Like, uh-huh. that's just what it is. Okay. Okay. I'll <laughs> take out a bunch of fucking pesos and pay in cash. Like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. By the way, good thing I did now that we know I almost got arrested. Oh, yeah. Also, I of all the cash I took out, I only took a fraction with me a day, knowing that I could get arrested and have to bribe, and I don't want to give them all, you know, 8,000 pesos or whatever the fuck I had in my pocket. Anyhow. Oh, my God. Um, so I get on my flight, okay, <laughs> and I get to my hotel, which is in the middle of I don't know where because I'm cheap, and I just get some random, like, kind of a hotel, kind of an Airbnb, kind of a something in between. Um, Uber j- drops me off there, drives away, 
My room has been canceled. <laughs> that was the five cent charge, maybe? Yeah, they were trying to like just see, I don't know what. Canceled. They're like, no, this isn't legit. Now, oh my it's God. not only Cerveza Mexico in Mexico City. It's the Formula One Mexico City Grand Prix weekend. Oh, so every wow. room in Mexico City, and there's a lot of rooms in Mexico City, uh, is is booked. Wow. So did you just buy a sombrero and like lean <laughs> against the wall at somewhere? At this point, I'm like... <laughs> I live in Mexico City now. I don't know Holy what. Holy shit. Um, luckily, a good friend of mine from White Labs, they were down there, too. Ugh. That's That was the start of this trip. In fact, it's, yeah. it's Pablo who does a show on the Brewing Network called Entre Cervezas. Luckily, he was there, too, for work and had an extra bed in his hotel room. Otherwise, I was... And by the way, now, at this point... It's comical if it's not so annoying. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole thing was just... Well, it, yeah, and in the benefit of hindsight, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. And that I didn't end up in jail. And, and that I didn't get run over in the street. You didn't sleep on the street. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Didn't get mugged. Right. Like Your credit card got canceled. Your flight got canceled. Yeah. You can't get reimbursed. Like it's oh, Well, now, now, now the remaining thing is fighting with the credit card company about this reimbursement. You yeah. Know? Meanwhile, by the way, I'm getting... E- this drives me insane. I'm getting emails from both Kayak and Aeromexico asking me how my flight was. Oh, God. I'm getting emails from Hotels.com asking me how my hotel was. And I'm yeah. like, oh, you motherfuckers are just... <laughs> poking the bear now you know like you care kayak yeah i mean no wonder you wanted to get into a fight i was i started out a little aggro yeah it all it is all coming together yeah like i'm i'm kind of pissed off right now is there anyone like having trouble out there <laughs> yeah and i did realize at the end so my friends were like you, uh, wow. you've got some pent up aggression in there, man. Like, I don't think they've seen me quite like this, but I was like, yeah, I don't know. Things aren't going great and this is fucked and fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I ended oh, up having man. a wonderful time, believe it or not. Uh, I have plenty to complain about, which is kind of fun. But, um, <laughs> I, anyway, the event was superb. Uh, uh, kudos to Cerveza Mexico who puts the thing on and all the brewers. Uh, boy, you guys are just making some good beer down there. So now they want me to go to the Ensenada Beer Festival, and I'm like, oh, man. Well, I, I think you need to just drive your motorhome and, like, I thought park on that. the beach somewhere. No, I, I think I think you should go, but maybe um, maybe just book directly, like, go right. into the airport and buy yeah. your flight from the counter. Like, do the, well, go that yeah, route. May, and then my maybe, friends but... from White Labs are like, well, that's why we never booked through this. And I'm like, all right, well, fuck you guys, too. First yeah. of all, I got, like, last-minute details, so I needed to look, book through, you know, cheapo whatever. Like, any cheap thing I could find, otherwise I can't go. Mm-hmm. So I get it. If you can go straight through United or straight through, like, I know. But I didn't need to hear that at that moment. That's why we never book like that. <laughs> All right, Whitey. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Just like, I'm not dealing with White Labs money here. Right. <laughs> just um, have White Labs book your flight. Yeah. yeah just just, book my flight uh, I, mean, I ended up staying in their hotel anyway. I know. I know. You, it was probably better for them yeah. because of that. Yeah. Just be like, uh, just make me your plus one. <laughs> exactly. Well, wonderful people at White Labs, too, of course. But yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Um, the whole thing was fun overall. 
just a lot of mess. I, and I <laughs> and I don't listen to signs from the universe, apparently. Because yeah, really, well, if I, mean, I had ended up in the Mexican jail, it would have been so painfully obvious that I should have listened to the universe before going, right? It would have been like, well, shit, three canceled flights later, you should have just stayed home. I mean, well. like, I'm assuming at this point... I'm, I'm not sure who your call would have been. Down there? Oh, yeah. Oh. Nothing. Oh. I don't you, think you get a call. And if you did, would you have called me? And, like, wh- well, and that was my. What happened? That, <laughs> so that was, that was Pablo talking me off the ledge, too, because he's like, listen to me. The number that they're throwing out right now is 72 hours, which is, a, which is about 12 to, to 18 hours after your flight home, man. Yeah. So. I think you ought to shut up. Because that guy was like, fuck it, take me. I'll go tonight. I'll go right now. I love Pablo. It was, oh, man. It was already 3 or 4 a.m. I, I was like, fuck it. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sleep very well at home either. Put me in jail. Uh, but he's like, 72 hours, bro. Yeah. Oh, that is so, that is so awesome. Uh, yeah. I'm so happy for you. You made it through that. Thank you. You were just like skirting the edge. Yeah. Just like riding the crest of the wave. I really was. And somehow you pulled it out mm-hmm. without getting hammered. You made it through. <laughs> Had a great time with the locals. Every local I met were there's the sweetest people, except for the fucking Uber driver. Um, yeah. Out this, the nicest people. Helpful anytime I needed a, like direction, like how do I get here? What, give me a good food recommendation. Oh, I had some of the best Mexican food on the planet. I, which sounds, okay, obviously you're in Mexico. Listen, I grew up on Mexican food. And not just like from the taqueria. Uh, when I was a kid in L.A., all my friends and all my neighbors were, the kids my age, they were first generation, right? So yep. I'm eating with their families day in and day out. Just I, I grew up on good Mexican food. Oh, man, did I have good Mexican food down there. So good. You know what's dumb, though? Don't punch in good Mexican, like, on Yelp. Don't say best Mexican food. Because it's turned out it's just food in Mexico. You have to put it like, you know, best. Like, yeah. It's like, it's just, like best, best carnitas yeah, or whatever. Yeah, you got like, to put in a thing. Yeah. Um, that kind of makes just, sense. That's, you know, a little tip, a little travel tip from, from Crosley. That's my favorite. Don't, don't yelp uh, best Mexican food. Okay, so we got, so we got. Don't, uh, don't scream at the cop to put you in jail. Don't, right. don't yelp Mexican food. Don't drink outside of the perimeters. Don't, don't walk around with your plastic cup, mm-hmm. leaning against the wall with your sombrero. Yeah, uh, I, I would recommend fighting with your Uber driver, though. Fuck that guy. Oh, yeah, except for the whole, like, getting run over. That was a thing. I think if it weren't that my friend who was being nice was also in front of the car is the only reason he didn't run me over, because he would have had to run us both over. What were you doing in front of the car? Well, at this point, I'm now crossing the street. Oh, you're crossing in front of him. Yeah, and he's like, "Mm," and comes right up to me. And then now I'm going after him again. It was a, yeah, he's just getting his little ass out of that car. Holy crap. (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> you have to tell me how this ends up with Uber. Yeah, we're gonna have to. Well, Uber was just a warning. Uber was just a warning. It basically said, you know, we've been informed that this happened. Just to let you know, we can cancel your account permanently. I want to see like what that. your Uber rating is. I now. bet my rating is better than his. <laughs> I guarantee you, my Wait, rating was, is better than his. Last was, time, mine was better, right? Yeah, let's look him up right was now. Totally better. Okay, not Which, by I much. I was like, what the hell? I'm the nicest. Let's see. Let's see. How was your trip? Oh, my last trip was good. That guy was good. He was really good. Yeah, don't tip the guy who almost ran you over. No, but I got to tip this guy. He was good. 
All okay, right. let's see. We're, oh, no, I'm, I'm still pretty solid. It might not have come through yet. I am a uh, 4.91. Oh. Are you about... Oh, same. So maybe I was like, before I was like a 9.3 or something, I got knocked down a little peg. Wow. What is it What is it going to take? What do you, be? I don't even know how to find my Uber rating. The, you just, it, just press the ellipses in the top left. I can't believe Justin still <laughs> After an has assault. a 4.91. Maybe it hasn't come through yet. No, it's Oh, it, no, it's I'm a 4.86. You know why? It's probably because you don't tip or because Sam. No, it's because of Sam. 100%. I always tip. Oh, you do? Are, okay. you tie- are you tied to Sam? No. Well, no. He but has if he's his in own, the car with her, he has his own. He has oh, his, but also, okay. Yeah. And also, like, he'll be somewhere, and I'm like, you need to come home. I'm sending an Uber. And you oh, say, okay. Because he can't figure out that. So he's, he's so drunk, he can't figure so that out. So he's that guy. You had, to, you had to Uber him home, and yeah. it reflects poorly, poorly on you. Mm-hmm. Shit. All right. Yeah, I understand yeah. how that can happen. Well, I don't have a lot of announcements. So today's uh, Mexico story was brought to you today by Drake's Brewing Company. You can go to drinkdrakes.com, who is holding their Friendsgiving on November 25th. They're doing that with their friends from Ghost Town Brewing, Flatland, Temescal, and Hen House. And they're putting on a big old meal with a bunch of good beer. You can go to drinkdrakes.com and click on their events page. Got a lot of good beer they're going to be pouring. So check out the Friends giving. Um, if you want to support us, do your Amazon shopping by clicking the Amazon link on our homepage. Uh, you can also subscribe and join the BN Army, which enters you to win a chance for a, uh, to win 100 bucks to, to more beer in the More Beer Monthly Donation Giveaway. The more you donate, the more chances you get to win each and every month. Um, you can get updates and information over on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Send your feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com where you can send your show ideas as well. So, no Twitter game today because our both our Twitter game people are gone. I know. I might have to, to figure learn out how to use Twitter. Might have to show you how to do this thing. <laughs> um, but we do have some feedback. Feedback's brought to you today by the Beer Law Center. Go to beerlawcenter.com and John can take care of your uh, brewery filings or protect your trademark and registrations like he does mine. He's a good guy. All right. Jake Dickman writes in. Because we we had an email about Jake just last week, as as a matter of fact. But that's not what he was writing. He says, Justin, you might officially be a talent-having hack. Congrats on your accomplishments this weekend. Uh, He's not talking about Mexico. He's talking about uh, our uh, participation in Sierra Nevada's Harvest Festival. He says, I know that working with Ken Grossman uh, has been a goal of yours for a long time and for good reason. And you finally did it. And he says he thought my moderation and the attendance of the BN crew in general made this year's fest an even bigger success than it already was. So great seeing Teresa in person and Beardy, even though he couldn't see me. And very nice to see JP from a distance. Congrats again from Jake Dickman from Secret Trail Brewing Company, of course. We did have fun. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And Jake is a super solid guy. Yeah. I just got the audio back from the sound people there, so I'm hoping to post the two videos I have. I just have to sync up their audio with it. So oh, stay fantastic. tuned to our YouTube for that. So this one's is, this is about our Alvarado Street uh, uh, interview last week. Uh, angry. Oh, and somebody is angry over this? Yeah. His name is, his or her name is G-Spot. All right, G-Spot. Uh, hi, what all. We do this time. I hope you're having a great week. I like when it's you know, the angry it starts like that. Uh, are you really hoping I'm having a great week? <laughs> I mean, so far, I didn't go to jail. I just want to let you all know 
that I really hated that fucking interview you guys did with those chode chompers at Alvarado Street. I was hoping JP would be more organic about them blatantly stealing intellectual property, since he's so adamantly against it. Instead, they used the BS excuse, it was a joke, bro. Come the fuck on, man. That shit ain't right. Shit is ironic when Justin constantly bitches about people stealing the hop grenade. He says, I mean, you guys did say some shit about that, but it still doesn't justify them stealing 90% of their can art just to get sales and publicity. I mean, seriously, even one of the dude's nicknames wasn't original. Biggie, get the fuck out of here, he says. An angry one. We just like having fun, bro, is a sad excuse, bro. Biggest cop out. You guys are usually more real, especially when you're so passionate about something. JP tried to stand for his beliefs, but I get it. Be professional. But he was a professional bitch during the session. Whoa. I hope you all have a nice weekend, though. Best from G Spot. <laughs> I don't feel like the name G Spot is very original. <laughs> yeah, I that is definitely not it. Not a invention. Mm-hmm. Although perhaps they feel it. It is. Well, in some ways, it's not really our place to make our guests feel uncomfortable in the studio. So I do have to mention that, and maybe that's yeah. a cop out. Um, but you know what? It kind of is what it is. I I happen to like their beer, and I like them as people, and I didn't want to not have an interview with them because I would have to berate them. About their branding. Now, I did bring it up. I also don't think that ninety percent of their beers can or their their can art is is copywritten material. I more find their stuff to be puns and pop culture associations, which I think I was saying. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying there's not a can or two in there where like a direct logo was taken, but I did go looking through. So in other words, if somebody took like a rotten artichoke grenade and put it on a can to be funny, I would have less say than them actually using my hop grenade that you know and i don't know that i saw a bunch of stuff where isn't, they did that isn't yeah. that just considered parodies parody it's like a parody law it's like a thing it is unless you're making money on it by selling something f- where you're using brand recognition and like violating copyright i just would find it uh, i'm guessing the reason they haven't been directly sued is that they haven't actually violated copyright yet they just kind of Play on words and pay homage. Now, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole because it's not really my business. But I do agree with you that if I say they're allowed to do whatever they want and I get mad at people stealing my hop grenade, that's hypocritical. But I did find it different. Uh, In other words, like I don't see them putting like, um, I don't know, what's an example? Like... 806 on a can. Firestone's most popular beer with great branding is 805. If they use like exactly the same branding and put 806 on it, that's theft. I didn't really see any of that in their stuff. Well, I I feel like if they were the only ones doing it and they really stuck out as sore thumbs by being the the one brewery that keeps doing that, but of all the offenders in that category, yeah. they are not the worst by any stretch. Hmm. And then you know, all these beers, like a lot of breweries that do different beers all the time, like this stuff will happen and then it goes away. Yeah. So it's, you know, 
it's not the approach that I've taken, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to tell somebody they suck because they're drawing on pop culture references and they're drawing on right. stuff that is part of our all our lexicon as you know yeah children of the 80s and 90s and maybe yeah. 70s so that's what i yeah but let me finish by saying this even if it makes me a hypocrite um i can accept that i want to stick up for jp for a second jp is a professional and he knows that i would have been very upset with him if he were to blast them for blatantly doing whatever he thought they may may be doing whether they're doing it or not Mm -hmm. so in other words if jp was particularly silent about it you can blame me for that too um because he knows i wouldn't allow it like i i would have been very upset for making our guest uncomfortable and so In other words, I'm taking full responsibility for anything that was not said uh, if JP felt stronger about that than than came across. That's on me. Well, and maybe the good news is, is, you know, maybe JP is not the asshole everybody makes him out to be. Because he got a perfect opportunity to be an asshole and he wasn't. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's an asshole, but... So anyway, G-Spot, I do not uh, mind you writing that email in, and I respect your opinion, and that's the best uh, explanation I can give you. So uh, thanks for writing in. All right, Patrick the Brewer writes in, Hey, Brewcasters, a uh, longtime listener since I started homebrewing 10 years ago. I've learned so much from your programming, can't thank you enough. Quit my day job in Brooklyn six years ago after being hired to start a three-barrel brewery in a restaurant basement. And you guys were there all along the way. Now I'm the head brewer at West Kill Brewing in the Catskill Mountains of New York. Sounds like a nice place to be. I just won my first GABF medal, a silver in strong, hazy pale ale. Whoa! Yeah, congrats. that's probably a popular category. That's huge. Although I'm surprised that there's a strong, hazy pillow category. Um, I could not have done it without all the great info uh, that I've learned from the BN, especially Bruce Strong, Can You Brew at the Session, uh, etc., and the humor that you bring uh, with it to keep me coming back for more. I wanted to write a funny, witty, inside joke like Chechnya and Ian Titus or something, but I would never have gotten around to it, so instead just a thank you. Well, thanks, Patrick. All right. Now this one's interesting. <laughs> one more to go. Can't wait. Hi, Brewcasters and Bevo. Uh, first off, I've got to say that Teresa and Sully are great additions to the session. I'm a longtime listener, first-time emailer, and I've always enjoyed hearing updates updates on the saga of Dave and Flattail up in Corvallis, Oregon. I'm currently on a multi-state road trip along the West Coast, and after hearing about Dave's new tattoo, wanted to try to meet the legend and give the guy another chance. Per Dave's instructions, I reached out to him in advance to see if he was going to be available to meet up for a beer after work. I received a very brief response asking when I would be stopping by. But when I replied with when I'd be getting to town, there was no answer. Oh, no. Undeterred, I rolled into Corvallis <laughs> and stopped at Flat Tail for some food and a pint, hoping that I'd catch Dave changing a keg or holding court at the bar. There was no sign of Dave. But I did meet a very nice young couple that ended up letting me park my rig in their front yard for the night. They even cooked me dinner with mushrooms they had foraged earlier in the day and let me borrow some tools for a little roadside maintenance before I left the next day. 
So it turns out, not every millennial in Corvallis is an asshole, just Dave. (laughs) Thanks for all the great shows over the years. Signed, Beardy. (laughs) Oh, man. So Beardy Beardy apparently tried to meet up with Dave. Beardy. (laughs) And it didn't work. I can't. <laughs> oh, that was that was that was so blow off. That was amazing. Right. Yeah. I if call Dave, copyright. That's some trademark infringement right yeah, there. Yeah. You know, Beardy is just trying to get a tattoo on Dave's ass. Of his own name, yeah. yeah. Of his beard. He probably could get one if he just asked. Maybe he could just get a beard around uh Roy's tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Ron. Oh Ron. Yeah, is Roy there? Can... Roy might be there yeah, too. Roy. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm thinking there's going to be a whole list of names. Also, I wonder which part of this is true. Like, did he end up staying at some random people's house that had foraged for fucking mushrooms earlier that day and made him dinner? Because that seems yeah, that's some hippy dippy shit that's right some there. Serious hippy shit. I <laughs> I I wouldn't put it past him though. Right? You know? Like he takes risks with his bodily self. Yeah, I think we've established that. Right. So apparently, Beery has made it as far as Corvallis. We know that. Oh, Beery. that's our that's our update. Yeah, he was he was in Bend. I saw the I saw the message. He was leaving Bend. Okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. Making his way north. He's well on his way. Yeah. It, it's. I mean, honestly, it's like an it's like a day's drive to get to Bellingham. So right. it's, only, it's like, been like a week. Yeah. And he's, he's just Corvallis. taking his time. I think. Yeah. I think that from now on, we should only communicate with Beardy through feedback. <laughs> yes. No, I forbid anyone to have direct uh, interactions with him. Um, he can only communicate with us on air through feedback emails. And it has to always be like, you can't come out with that it, it's Beardy. You just have to guess. Like, which <laughs> yeah. of the feedback is going to be Beardy? Yeah, guess, guess which is Beardy today. It's a good new game, actually. Oh, that's super fun. Yeah. All right. I have to get us to a break. But uh, before I do that, I just wanted to remind you that the 21st Amendment's newest seasonal release, Tasty IPA, is out and near and dear, of course, to the Brewing Network heart because it's a collaboration with everyone's favorite brewcaster, uh, Tasty McDull. At 6.8% and 58 IBUs with its straw color, Tasty IPA drinks easily but isn't necessarily easy drinking. The Hot Forward creation spawned originally from early test batches of Tasty's own homebrews has. Features Calypso, Simcoe, Azaka, Amarillo, Citra, Simcoe, Lupulin Pellet, Centennial, Cascade, Equinox, Cascade, Lupulin Powder, Mosaic, and Azaka twice, I guess, just for fun. So it's a super hop salad. Tasty IPA was done as a one-time beer, but was so popular, it's now become part of the 2NA's main beer lineup, and it's their fall seasonal release. So go check it out. It comes in like, I think I made fun of Sully for this, but um, it comes in six packs and 19.2 ounce cans. Yes. Taller than your average can. Taller than your tall boy, right? Taller than the average Is it like a tall? I think that is, isn't that the tall boy? I thought tall boys were 16s. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not not familiar with all these cans. Get, Sully, you're probably listening. Uh, bring some of these cans in the studio. Yeah, he's here next week. And then we need to. Gra- I'll grab some or other n- like, time. other cans and see see we can compare. I thought tall boys were six. I think I, we should I feel change. like nineteen two should be called out. tall women's. We, that's what we should change in it. If Ooh, they are bigger, tall, maybe a tall drink of water. Tall, <laughs> tall drink other. of beer. Yeah. The, I, I feel like they're the same height as Crowlers, but they're skinnier. Skinnier, right. Maybe. Sounds about right. 
All right, go check it out uh, where you wherever two and a is sold. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Jeff and Nick about how to enter homebrew competitions and win. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening to my stories about getting arrested. I think we have more good stories for you coming up in this interview. We are now joined by Nicholas McCoy and Jeff Perot from uh, the homebrew club of my favorite name of homebrew clubs ever. <laughs> I think I've told you guys this before. Draft Punk is just my favorite homebrew club name. Oh. It's just the coolest name. That is so Thanks. cool. Simplicity. Simplicity. Right, and there's a lot of like plays on words in homebrewing, but that one is yeah, it's simple and a little bit you know rock and roll, mm. which I just kind of like about that. Uh, so well done, and the two of you are uh, uh, conjoined, not twins, but conjoined Ninkasi winners. That's yes, right. I think we're uh, one of the only pairs to have won it. Uh, there have been other pairs yeah, think, in history, but I think one or one group won it back in like the nineties or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you guys, so you've, you've been homebrew partners for a while, though, I, I assume. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I started homebrewing back, oh, gosh, it's been about 13, 14 years ago. Okay. And it was shortly after that that Nick, he and I had been friends before that. Um, Nick, I came over actually to, a, to his house one day, and I said, you know, I had this six-pack of homebrew I made. And it's one of those nerve-wracking things where you're thinking, oh, it's, you know, it's probably, not, it's probably going to be awful. You know, will he really like it? Right. And I brought it to him, and he's like, dude. This doesn't suck. Okay. It's not the worst <laughs> Good thing compliment, really. <laughs> yeah. Things can be worse. Yeah, and so it wasn't long after that that uh, Nick actually got into homebrewing as well and um, got his first kid. Actually, his then-girlfriend, um, now wife, bought him a ah, homebrew kit. And, okay. That's um, how I got started in this whole mess, too, man. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, Good on her. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the chick's... <laughs> drag you in and then they're like damn it why did we assign him this hobby <laughs> yeah. time consuming and expensive oh, yeah. Yeah, now you're flying to california for some random podcast <laughs> so well, yeah we, we gotta show him a picture of your garage now oh uh, yeah there's, there's there's no cars or anything i mean it's a dedicated brewery <laughs> the whole garage yeah. oh, that is, did it used so to be awesome. a place for cars sort of i yeah. mean we have we've in texas we have some like really bad weather too okay. on top of all that well yeah, tornado. <laughs> it's not a fire or anything, but um, it's kind of gnarly here yeah, right but, now. Um, yeah. You know, we had like a hailstorm, and it's like we got to pull the cars in the garage. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> so you had room for that previously, but now, yeah, no. no. okay. <laughs> yeah, now you just have a moving blanket you just throw on top of the cars. Yeah, it'll be like, fine. Right. 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 be damned. So you two were were, were twenty nineteen Nikasi uh, winners at the at the. Actually, no, actually, 2017 Nikasi winners. 2017 Nikasi. Okay, so, yeah, but I met you this year. That, I guess that's why I'm confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I met you guys yeah. this year. We were speaking this year at HomebrewCon. Got we it. Spoke okay. In 2018, after we won Nikasi, and actually we got um, uh, silver medal uh, the, uh, 2018 for our mild, which um, you'll be having here in a little while. Too. Nice, mm-hmm. sweet. Okay. Um, well, I actually just I don't normally do this. Usually we kind of bullshit for a little while, but mm-hmm. we have one of your beers in our in our my glass, and I just want to try that first. Can awesome. we Can we do that? Tell sure, me yeah, what, what yeah. beer. What beer do we have? 
So this is the Belgian wit. Um, the Belgian wit was the style that – one of the first styles I enjoyed uh, brewing quite often. And it was one of those things I brewed again and again and again and again. And you know, I started entering in competitions and it was where I first started to get some really good feedback at what, competitions. What was your commercial example that made you love this beer before you start brewing it? Just Who Garden? Who Garden. Okay. Yes. Great beer, by you know, the way. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Okay. So you just liked the style and then kept trying it. Uh, trying to brew it. Correct. Okay. And kept trying to brew it, and, and I thought I was doing well. Um, started entering into some competitions and finally got some feedback from it that are about it that, that really helped me immensely, where somebody said, okay, stop using domestic coriander. You're getting some weird celery flavors in this. Find mm. imported um, Indian coriander, if you can, or something else. Mm. And so being, you know, went try, you know, trying to look for that, found it, and it made a world of difference. Well, you know, Nick had, had you know was getting back into brewing, and, and he decided he was going to um, brew you know wit too because he liked mine, but he wanted to kind of tweak it a little bit, and he decided he would enter it in for the uh, first time at the Blue Bonnet Brew Off that we have in Irving, which is one of the biggest single site homebrew competitions in the U.S. And he entered it the first time, and he won first. Oh, <laughs> which just don't pissed hate, you off, hate. didn't Not it? Not bitter at all. <laughs> <laughs> we won all these awards and all this stuff over the years, but that's the defining moment. Right. Yeah. This is my white whale. Yeah. It's the thorn <laughs> in your side. Okay. Uh, so what was different about his than yours, do you think? What it was was, and I don't know if you want to talk about your recipe, Nick. Yeah. But, I mean, it was fine. I just did a slightly different thing, and we went to um, – Stay right on that microphone We for went me. to Istanbul. Go. Yeah. And we got some coriander from the spice market there. And I made this, so I called it Wittstambul, was nice. the name of it. Yep. And uh, just started playing with the different spices and stuff like that. And it just had a little bit of honey in it, something to give it a little difference. And it turned out great. So, yeah. so uh, another, just a great Im- imported uh, coriander. Mm-hmm. Yes. Had just a, a more character to mm-hmm. it. This beer not has an amazing coriander that stands out. Well, and it's it's totally different than yeah any other wit I've had in in that like it's so floral. Right. Like the spice note is totally floral. It's it's very different. And then I'm getting, and I wonder if it's the coriander or not, but I'm getting also a strong like lemon peel. Mm. Okay. So it's not just that that like kind of spicy coriander that you expect, but uh. A really strong kind of lemon peel that's nice too. Hmm. Which I'm is there is there lemon peel in the? No, we, we've got bitter orange peel. Um, mm. Okay, but it's a bitter orange peel, coriander. Mm-hmm. There's um, honey malt, pilsner, and wheat. That's it. Yeah, yeah and that's it. Okay, and the uh, the honey malt and Nick decided to do because it adds a little bit of a sweetness that's there. Yeah, and then the coriander we you know we start out with that coriander from Istanbul and then we ran out of it and. Couldn't exactly, uh, you know, do a trip to Istanbul right off the cuff. It's too bad. Yeah, it's, we, we not, not just for coriander, anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a weekend trip to, you know. <laughs> if we had access to the BN jet, perhaps. Yeah, right. We'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how the show goes. I feel like if you sent Justin on a on a mission for coriander, uh-huh. you'd get some pretty. Yeah. You may not get coriander. Back. No. <laughs> I'd spend the money you sent me with on, on bail, first of all. <laughs> there would be a whole different spice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, imagine. yeah. Every time we go somewhere, though, like the coriander is just one of these things we've got this interesting fascination with. So we'll go to like Seattle. We'll be at a spice market and pick some up and we'll crush it up and see how it tastes. It's just This beer is near and dear to our hearts or whatever. It's, it's just one we yeah, a lot. That's so. super cool. Um, yeah. So- 
Okay, so, and we're going to come back to the spear, because I know that one of the things we're going to talk about is how uh, characteristics of beer really have to stand out, I think, in competitions. Uh, in other words, we're, whereas you might, especially on the show here, we compliment all the time subtlety, right? We talk a lot about how, oh, it just has a nice subtle this or that. That doesn't always work in competition. And I think this beer is a good example of that. Um, it is not a subtle wit. Um, but it is but it's balanced. It does all play together, I think, perfectly well. But there's nothing subtle about it. So I know we'll come back to that. Um, I want to ask you guys about your... You, you, you're not pro brewers. You're home brewers. Home correct. Uh, Nick, you have a, a day job? Yeah, I own a printing company. Oh, yeah? Yeah, okay. in Dallas. And um, just married two kids. I got itty-bitties. I got like a two-year-old and a four-year-old so okay um are you like everybody else though like oh one day i'm gonna have a brewery kind of thing no or? we are anti that you are <laughs> yeah yeah i like we this just stuff. like to You're be smart. home brewers yeah yeah that's a super solid choice yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> endorsing your choice it just doesn't um yeah i own a business already it's like why do that to yourself twice yes you, know oh, so you already mean? know yeah, yeah the, the pain the pain yeah <laughs> yeah i mean if you had to if you had to just make somebody else do your job at the right. printing company and then you have right. a brewery no. Right. Oh my well, god! It's so it's just so hard. And in yeah. Dallas, we have people opening every second. You Is know, it seems right? like Dallas yeah. was way behind the homebrew curve for a while. And um, you guys are catching up fast. Yeah, and just every homebrewer there has just decided to open up breweries. So. Oh yeah, I mean, there's been a lot where we'll, we'll run into them at competitions, and you know, we'll say, hey, you know, loved your you know fill in the blank beer, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm planning on opening a brewery in the fall, and you're like, oh, okay, awesome. You know, how long have you been brewing? Six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hear it all the time. Yeah, oh, I'm sure you'll do. Yeah, which you know, in some cases has worked out, oh, and, yeah. but in most it doesn't, and it's a tough, not just Dallas, right? It's tough mm-hmm. anywhere to open. A brewery. I'll reiterate some advice. I've it was given to me by the uh, executive director of the California uh, Craft Brewers Association. I've said it on the air before. If your brewery doesn't have like a a story or a thing or this very unique like proposition, don't open a brewery right now. It's tough right now. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. So all right. So keep your day job that Just you already own worry, anyway. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. good. And and you, Jeb. What's your what's your background? So my background's a little different than Nick's. Okay. Um, my background is that uh, let's see, I went off to school, much like Nick did, a little bit a little bit of a different path. I went off to Catholic seminary, really, and became a priest. And so I actually was a priest for about eighteen years, and then actually left uh, the priesthood, left active ministry as a Roman Catholic priest in uh, this last November. Last November, so a no, year ago, basically. Yep, almost. No kidding. Do you come from a Catholic family? I do. I okay. do. My my parents are Catholic. Grandparents are Catholic. Um, oh, so you made them so happy for eighteen <laughs> years, and then you just broke all their. Hearts. <laughs> no, my parents actually are still very proud of me. Okay. Um, okay. They still are. Uh, they're it's, good parents, I can tell. Not, well, as, not as proud. <laughs> nah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're slightly less proud right. Right. than they were, you know, ten months ago. Why did you? Why did you leave? What happened? Well, it was it was kind of a number of things. Um, yeah, you know, to, to not to, to bore the living daylights out of everybody. You but, won't. Don't worry. I don't think this is boring. <laughs> You're gonna be, we're we're riveted. <laughs> Next week, <laughs> yeah, I do. I do feel like I should break this story up into several uh, episodes, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't have a job now, right? So you can just hang out in California. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> and do the show every week for the next month. Uh, okay, yeah, give me the give me the nuts and bolts of, okay. of why you left the church. Sure. Um, so one of the first things, I mean, it's. You know, although though I left the priesthood, I'm still very much Catholic. Okay. She didn't. I shouldn't say left the church. It left the priesthood. That's okay. I mean, I, I understood okay. what you meant. Yeah. It's yeah. So I mean, I, I still am very much a Catholic. Um, actually, Nick and I, when we first met, and became friends. He was actually working at a church that I was assigned to. And okay. That's how we knew each other. Like my very first job was working at church. Working how? Like you're printing Bibles, or like you're a churchgoer. I actually did the printing for the church, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got you. I know. Well, you got to get the program. I can tell. I can see it. You, I can recognize in your face. You weren't just going to church every Sunday. I can see through you. <laughs> well, and when I got there, Nick was one of the brave ones who who would actually ask questions because for some of the some of the people who are not familiar with uh, the Catholic Church, th- there's this sort of mystique about priests that they, yeah. they sometimes feel very like they're very unapproachable. And yeah. I mean, and I, I, I can understand. I mean, I felt that as a little kid, you know, you'd see, see the guys and they just felt, you know, sure. kind of above you. And so, you know, a lot of people, I had recently had an accident in which I had one of those uh, press, uh, steam presses like at a dry cleaner. Yeah. Came down on my hand and burnt my hand. Aye. And so my hand was red and bandaged and nobody would ask me about it. <laughs> I walked into the office and Nick was there. He's like, dude. What's up with the hand? What's up with that hand? Man? Everybody on the staff was like, I think it's Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah. It might be a miracle. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to yeah. ask too many questions. Was like, yeah. She's like, is it the, the mark of the beast? Yeah, I'm like, no. Yeah. It's a beast? It's like, dude, what's up with that hand? Was it a homebrewing accident? Ah, yeah, no. hopefully something. <laughs> Actually, how the hell did you get it in a press anyway? So... <laughs> I didn't think we'd if, be telling this story. It's, 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 right, right, that's not where we're going to start. If it's a short story, yeah. it's basically at my seminary they had these these huge presses that you could use to to you know, press your clothes. Okay, and I was I was right there at the end, um, about to head home, finished my seminary, everything like that. Two weeks from being ordained a priest, and my my parents had always said, you know, just don't come home with dirty clothes. And so I, I, I said, okay. And so I always made sure I had all you know, my clothes clean and stuff like that. And I was pressing mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was in a hurry and going on. And the press broke and fell down Gosh. on my hand. Wait, so you guys have known each other for over 18 years? Yeah. I yeah. didn't, re- I was I, like I didn't catch that yeah. part of the story. Okay, yeah. got it. I was it. like or 17, something you like that. You were 17. Yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was in my late 80s at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've been aging great. i got to join the church. Yeah. <laughs> Look fantastic. Well, my brother. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure you would you would make it through the, the hazing rituals. <laughs> or the door is what you're really trying to say, Teresa. I understand. Uh, hey, you and me both, man. <laughs> so you guys meet way back then. Um, okay, but then you've, you've been in the church since. Correct. Okay. And so, um, so let's see. So I was, you know, we knew each other through then. And I had started, uh, started homebrewing. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I showed Nick some of my beer. He liked it. And so we actually started brewing together. And sorry, how long sure. ago was that you started homebrewing? Basically picked up homebrewing. See, that's been, that's been 14 years. You've been doing that a long time. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's so. Oh, that's when we started. You've been homebrewing mm-hmm. basically since like 05. Oh, yeah. And I started listening yeah. to you all in about 06. You probably got fired from the church if you haven't listened to us since then. <laughs> uh, hopefully in headphones. Only in my truck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As a priest, you do a lot of driving. Yeah, so. yeah, okay. 
<laughs> we were listening on the way over here, and I was like, what did we get ourselves into on the way over here? So, Well, seriously, also, how the hell did you listen this long to us? But okay, I like your style so far. Yeah. So you've been homebrewing that long? Yes. All right, go on. So um, been homebrewing. Uh, you know, Nick got into the, to the brewing as well. Mm-hmm. And as, as time went on, we started competing together. Mm-hmm. And as we started competing, um, which I'm sorry, before we started competing, there were some other guys that I brewed with, and they went pro. And oh, nice. so suddenly it was kind of like, all right, what do I do? And Nick had been brewing for a little while, but then took a hiatus because um, he'd had some problems with some of his batches. Okay. And so he said, hey, dude, look, I want to get back into the brewing. He said, come over, watch what I'm doing, and let's see what we can figure out, you know, what's wrong with my process because I'm, I, you know, I don't want to keep making crap beer and, you know, spending good money on it and just wasting it away. I said, all right. Good, good questions. So, I mean, we, we, you know, we started, I was watching and kind of helping out as, as he'd go through the process and everything looked good, his sanitation, um, his process. I mean, everything was looking good. He was still, it was kind of still, uh, you're doing like mini, or mini mash yeah, or partial like mini, mash like then. partial mash. Yeah, yeah so a little okay. bit of extract grains. And everything was going fine. And I said, dude, I, th- I think everything's good. And he said, well, just, you know, just keep looking. Well, we got to this one point, and and I'm watching as as we're chilling. Got a little you know copper immersion chiller that you put in, mm-hmm. and I'm looking and I'm thinking, what's that little stream going down there from it? Yeah, it was like the pot was starting to fill mm. just slightly, uh-huh. and so there was like a pinhole in oh, the bottom wow. of my of your immersion, immersion chiller, uh-huh. and that thing derailed me for like five years because I it made a batch was, and it, I was like I made a batch and it sucked. Oh, and, and then like here you're introducing like hose water, hose water yeah, yeah. We into have your the shittiest hose water <laughs> in like Texas. Texas is the worst. Oh, water. Awful. So it wasn't even a really a yeah. well maybe a sanitation issue toward the end I guess, mm-hmm. but even at the beginning mm-hmm. uh, it was really just like a shitty water issue. Yeah, you're no. adding this bad water to the yeah. thing. Oh wow! Yeah. And so you saw you? this. You're looking at this, and you're I like, the pot Dude, was like getting a there little we go. Getting full. Right. Oh wow! That's fascinating. And so once once he fixed that, then you know things started taking off really well, okay. and he started brewing, brewing more, went mm-hmm. to all grain. By that time, I was already all grain, mm-hmm. and um, then you know I'd, I'd been entering into Blue Bonnet for a while, and, and a couple of other small competitions around Texas. Mm-hmm. And so you know he decided, all right, he said I'm going to try enter two. He entered um, first year, and I was trying to prep him like, okay, dude, look, you know you don't always have a lot of success, so don't don't feel bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been entering for years. And right. it's okay. You're already talking him off the ledge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he wins right. three first places. Wow. Wow. First year th- He's got to talk you off the ledge. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're I'm like, Father, don't worry. Uh, you know, we can't win them all. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Pray one extra rosary. It'll be all right. About yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then after that, Nick and I are brewing together pretty regularly. And by regularly, it's we're brewing you know, probably a couple times a month. Sure. But, yeah. but always on my day off. As a priest, you, you get one day off a week. And usually, for, at least in our area and there in the Fort Worth Diocese, it was Tuesday. Okay. Most of the guys took off Tuesday. And so on Tuesday, I'd you know, have my regular stuff I do, you know, just you know, trying to catch up on laundry and goofy things like that. Mm-hmm. And then Nick and I would get together and we'd oftentimes brew. And sometimes we couldn't. It worked out because I, I own my own place. So you right could make now. your day, yeah. afternoon yeah, off or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, kind of make it work. Yeah. So you know, we'd we'd be you know we'd brew together. Um, sometimes at his place, sometimes at mine. You know, we'd alternate alternate it up a little bit, and and that's the way it would go. Well, as time went on, we started doing really well together, mm-hmm. and we noticed that you know we played off of each other very well. Um, you know, both our strengths and weaknesses, and we you know not only started having success together, we saw it said. And let's start entering nationals. 
Okay. And so we started entering into nationals. And, you know, I'm waiting to find out where Jesus got mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're in nationals and you're winning. Yeah, like, get to it, man. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I, I had this thing where it's like I got moved from parish to parish. I, I, people would say, you're the beer brewing priest. Oh, right. Oh. Right. Well, you know, and the- which, by the way, makes you approachable. I mean, you kind of yeah, mentioned in the beginning very... that like people don't people can be a little yeah. standoffish. This makes you approachable. Well, I did a number of talks with like men's groups and, and you know, like young adult groups about uh, the Catholic Church and uh, beer brewing and how the histories intercombine, you know, combined with mm-hmm. spices, the hop trade, all those sorts of things like that. Yeah. And usually had great responses. Yeah. People responded very positively to it. OK. And, you know, even had some people. People who you know who aren't Catholics say, "I'm, I'm going to check your church out." Which nice. Like, this is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it really, that really is awesome. Yeah, yeah. it seems positive, doesn't it? <laughs> so far, okay. So far, so, so far it's so positive. So, far. All right, so you start doing well in competition. You're and now, next week on the yeah. BN. <laughs> yeah. Can we have a cliffhanger? Find out what happens yeah. to Father Beer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think right right around this time you started like doing beer stuff for the church. Yes. So one of the things I also began to do is there were there were charitable groups mm-hmm. that I would say, okay, I'll, I'll do a dinner for 25 people. I'll cook all the food, um, brew the beer for it specifically. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you tell me what you want, and then we put it up for auction. So, you know, raise money for Catholic charities, you know, various schools, things like that. And we did pretty well. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I think the first one I did turned, pulled in about 30 grand. Wow. Oh my God, that's amazing. That's really great. Last one, because I, I did them over about four years. Last one I did pulled in was about almost about 90 grand. That you know, is funny. so cool. What? Think about okay. that. They're like, Jeff's, we're making beer, and they're like, they paid me 90 grand to make one batch of beer. Right? We've got to make a thing out of it, right? I mean, yeah, like, that, I what mean, are we going to do? do you've all, yeah, you've got pro brewers everywhere going like, right. how the fuck? <laughs> I know. Like, oh, geez. dedicate your life to Christ. You'll be all right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, I have some Catholic friends in high places. So i got to figure out how to make this work. <laughs> and and, and this this is happening at your most recent parish, th- these dinners? This, uh, yes. Well, actually, the one one before that. Okay. All right. um, so it was happening at a place in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. And um, so they had a lot of these dinners raising some money. Well, uh, as time went on, the, you know, the, the bishop wasn't exactly – you can, I mean, you can kind of see where this is going, right? People are paying this guy ninety grand yeah. to start doing these dinners. Well, let's be clear; they're mm-hmm. paying the church mm-hmm. uh, and their charities, so this is amazing. But yes, it okay. started maybe raising the wrong. What are we giving money to? Type of thing, and so. Uh, well, explain that yeah, to me. But... Are you saying? And by the way, I have to deal with this a little bit mm-hmm. here too. Let me explain. Okay. So we do uh, uh, a couple of beer festivals, and they're all for charity. They're all for a nonprofit. And the most recent one we started was our Oktoberfest, and we wanted the beneficiary to be uh, a local kids' organization called Junior Giants, and and it's through the Giants organization. And their executive director board is through the Concord PD. Without making it complicated, it turned out that accepting money for beer was not okay between the Junior Giants and the Conquered PD. Mm-hmm. That, that like that it just it, mm. it's somewhere in their mission, somewhere in their uh, directives. It was like actually we we just can't. We want to, but we can't. Mm-hmm. Is this what you're getting at? That like we well, shouldn't be accepting money for beer? No, it was more the idea that there became concerns about um, 
some of the the liability issues. Okay. Hmm. And so, you know, and, and there there was a time where we had a brief meeting with the bishop, the attorney, and they said, okay, these are these are the concerns about liability issues. And I said, they said, we really, you know, want you to to, to stop doing this. And I said, that's fine. Okay. But, but Jeff started, okay. Jeff also cooks a lot, so then they started doing just more like a be your dinner cook thing, you know. And so. It got weird, I think, at that point. That's when it got. A I mean, because if you cancel the beer part, mm-hmm. well, now you're going to bring in like five grand, like right. a, you know. And you know what? Let's just yeah. have another goddamn bake sale. Forgive yeah, me. Well, uh, it, <laughs> it, uh, it, like the the beer dinner yeah. and the you know the the spaghetti feed mm-hmm. are not really on the same level. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Okay. Yeah. Anyhow, so this starts to change. Starts to change a little bit. Okay. And so as time goes on, um, Nick and I are brewing. We've internationals. We've gotten some through through first round into second round, and thought, you know, okay, this is pretty good. And you know, we're trying. You know, we're not only internationals, but all these other competitions as well. Well, then it culminates in 2017 when we end up getting it was it was four beers to final round, wasn't it? Nick? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Four beers to final round. Where was 2017, uh, by the way? That what was, city were we in? Was that Baltimore? No. You and I did, couldn't make it. So it wouldn't have been Baltimore because no. you got we were talking off air. It was in um, Portland? No. Portland? No. no. Minnesota? Minnesota. Okay. Yes. We don't even know where we won this thing. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are we doing? Seriously. I'm just curious, too. Minnesota. All right, so you win in Kasi, though, in 2017. Oh, yes. Yeah, we had, we had four beers in the second round, and we won two firsts okay. for... Yeah. Uh, oh. Bell, uh, quad, okay, and then we won for specialty IPA. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, and of course ecstatic, and mm-hmm. makes the local newspaper, makes newspapers around the U.S. Jeff made the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. let's point, let's talk about that because Ninkasi winning doesn't make papers around oh, the U.S. No. Catholic priest makes makes the news. It, it, so yeah. It, it made it made major news outlets. Correct. Oh, the AHA was so happy with you at this point. Like that, that's oh, all that free publicity too. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. And well, I mean, and that, it started to make newspapers all over the place. I'd have you know my parents' friends from St. Louis said, "Oh, we just saw it in the newspaper up here." And then cool. Yeah. Um, there's a bishop here in California who I knew that you know called me up and said, "Hey, you know my priest told me that you know you won this award. That's great." And, it was a, it was in Indonesia. Wow. Yeah, was, yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Malaysian Times and oh my gosh. And so we started seeing all these things. Well, as time went on, um, you know, there was there was a moment there where you know, the bishop was not exactly, you know, pleased with with some of the way these things were going. And he he said, you know, I believe this is this is taking away from and distracting uh, people from your ministry, okay, and from things like that. And he said, I I really you know would like for you to stop, stop brewing, yes, entirely, correct, okay. So at that point, I mean, I I of course wasn't real happy about that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a hobby that I loved that I had enjoyed and, and you know, also, it, you know, Nick and I had done pretty well with. We just won this effing thing, man. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You just, you <laughs> you just one like, second ago. You're like, just starting. Yeah. New York <laughs> rise to homebrew yeah. stardom, yeah. and then it's like, no. Right. Yeah. We and were, then can I, can I just be clear? So sure. I didn't, uh, my brother uh, was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. but I was raised by my heathen mother out here in California. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but so he had to go through catechism, mm-hmm. and, and I never did. But so another. But but I so I have a peripheral knowledge, is what okay. I'm saying. Um, there's nothing against uh, fermentation, beer, even no. the. Let's just talk about the Catholics first. Say there's nothing against drinking if you're a Catholic. No, uh, definitely not. There are some things about uh, gluttony. 
Um, and, and I'm I'm pretty sure that like getting hammered all the time is probably included in that. Correct, drink to excess. But nothing specific about brewing, fermenting, uh, offering beer. I'm just trying to get a hold sure. of where your bishop might have been coming from and make sure I'm not like missing something where he like has a point. Like, hey, it says right here in the Bible you shouldn't do this. Mm, well, I'd like say that. this. Let me, from an outsider's point of view, this is sure. where I thought. Justin's like, shut up, Nick, get him. Nah, <laughs> no, no, it's fine, it's fine. No, I think um, there's definitely nothing wrong with it or anything. I mean, one of the coolest parts of the story was we won first place for a Trappist Dale. Oh, yeah. Just a Catholic <laughs> priest. It's just like, right. it writes itself. Right? Cool as it's it like gets. Totally. And um, I think just that culmination of there was this issue with the alcohol and then kind of told you to stop and then we won this award okay and it's okay. just you know you got called into the, the publicity right? around it is yeah. the problem but mm-hmm. uh, and that's fine i i, I think mm-hmm. that's where you were going but mm-hmm. i just wanted to make sure i wasn't sure. missing like some carnal no 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 no, okay. no 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 yeah all right there's nothing wrong with it yeah. no no not at all okay so he says he asked you to stop again mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i never so, asked him to stop brewing before okay. but then it was stop brewing you know? yeah first it was stop doing the the dinners and st- such that i would do with the beer that i made um, then it was to stop brewing. Mm. And so I stopped and um, actually gave all my brewing equipment to Nick. And he had it. wasn't it. the worst thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nick's like, I think your bishop's right. <laughs> yeah, okay. And from that point, it, it, kind of the, the tension increased. Okay. And we became more at odds okay. over things. And, and as time went on, it, it kind of got to a point where I thought, you know what, it's just – well, it, right, right when we won, too, you got moved out to, like, a country parish. And oh. So you got moved out, out of the city. Yeah. Okay. I was in – the church I was in, um, we built it up from – see, there were 1,700 families when I got there. There were 3,500 when I left. Um, wow. Wow. We had – This is mega church, statement. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't help but think that part of this is your approachable nature, um, you know, and that you may have – Adapted some of the of your of your lifestyle philosophies, which is to hey we can we can all just be regular people together too. Just because mm-hmm. I'm a, a priest doesn't mean we can't. That you're building up the attendance at church and so mm-hmm. forth, and so this all ends up sort of at odds with your with this with this bishop at the time. Correct. Interesting. And so at that point, as you know, as time goes on, I began to kind of really look at okay, you know, can I can I continue doing this? Yeah. Can I continue in this direction or not? Mm-hmm. And as much as I, I thought about it and prayed about it and looked at it and reflected on it and you know, talked about it even with Nick, my close friend, and my yeah. parents, and I came to a point where I said, you know, it's it's probably just best for for me to to move on. Okay, and so and not just move on to another church. You decided to leave the priesthood, correct? Because I mean, I'm I'm still Catholic. I'll always be Catholic. Yeah, and because it's it's something that's very not only something that I, I knew about it and, and studied on and things like that, but it's it's very much a part of who I am and my own faith and connection with God. Of course, and so you know, I mean, I I still am, and I mean. Uh, you know, I you know, think nothing but the highest of, of you know a lot of the a lot of the guys who who are still still yeah. priests. And, yeah, yeah. Stay in contact with some of them too, and I would hope so. And yeah, and, and there's, there's you know it's a lot of good with it. But I thought you know it's it's time for me to move on to something else. I think God has other things for me. Okay. And so now I'm looking for a job. So I, can I and I, and I'll get us moved on to beer and competition. But yeah, no problem. Can I ask just a couple of personal questions? Sure. Uh, now? <laughs> because, because we were just on the surface yeah, before. Right, yeah. I'm 6'1". Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, this must have been a really difficult decision for you to leave the, the priesthood. You had to really 
Like you could have just maybe gone to another church or like moved to another place, but you really came to this decision. Like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the next step. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I'm just asking. That must have been a, a tumultuous time in your life to figure that out. It was. I mean, it it really was a tumultuous time because it wasn't something where I just you know woke up one morning and thought, Whoop, I'm out of here. Right. Peace out. Right. Um, yeah. Of course. This has been your life's work, mm-hmm. literally. And, and in a lot of ways, I mean, I feel that. And I mean, after I left, even I had a number of people that reached out to me and said, you know, hey, you know, it, you know, you did a lot of good. You know, it really meant a lot to me when this happened and that happened. And many times, which I had forgotten, or yeah. sometimes even didn't realize the things that I had done that that really affected people, which you know, it was really wonderful to hear. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, cause a lot of times we don't get to hear that. No, yeah. but in times like these, the people mm-hmm. want to support and and at least acknowledge, hey, maybe I never said this, but I really need to now. I need yeah. to tell you the impact. Which was awesome. Yeah. It was really awesome. Okay. And so, yeah, it was it was a real tumultuous time. And, I mean, even right as I left, because there were a number of people that thought, um, you know, well, what did you do? <laughs> yeah, everybody <laughs> yeah. wants the story, man. Yeah, Just yeah, like yeah, you. Yeah. Like, I mean, right, we do. I never even thought about anymore. that. I mean, it's not our it's fault like, that the Catholic Church is in the news all the time. Like, we uh, want to know the story. Of wait, course what do you mean? Do. I know. <laughs> but, then, but then, like, we forget... You know, it's it's such a a strict lifestyle choice, and then just it's it's like you're stepping apart from society, and you're living by a whole different set of rules than the rest of us. You know, it's it's a hard it's a hard thing. Yeah, I actually, you know, my um, so my father in law was a priest, mm-hmm. and my mother in law was a nun. Really? Yes. Wow. And they um, they met we- each other because my mother in law her. Um, or, I'm sorry, my father-in-law, his mom had an aneurysm and, and they thought she was going to die. So they sent my mother-in-law, Dorothy, to take care of her. Well, they met and here they are, you know, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're both married to God and they met each other and they were just like, they fell in love mm-hmm. and they, um, they used to call each other on like, um, it was like football halftime, you know, Monday night football halftime. They would call each other. We talk about the game, obviously. <laughs> And they they actually had to, you know, leave the church in order to date. So they never right, really right. dated. They just got married. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, it's such a it drastic was, change. It yeah. was such it was such a huge deal. And, and so, like, I, I totally get yeah. where you're coming from. I mean, okay. it's like it's not like leaving a job. It's like right. which which leads me to my next question. Sure. And that is, did you immediately download Tinder? The- <laughs> The the day you walked out of the church. Oh my god! No, <laughs> you waited what eight hours? Like the, whatever respectable amount of time. The, the number of confessions I've heard over the years <laughs> and stuff involved with that and the other things. I know well to stay well away. I bet you do. Oh my People god! I say, well, it's not that bad. I'm like, no, I've I've heard everything you can imagine and everything you don't want to imagine. I bet you have. I never thought about that side of the priesthood. Uh, you're writing a book, right? <laughs> I don't think you have to have a job. I think you have to start writing immediately. <laughs> and the writing, you know, it's it's a it's a this is more than one book, or at least it has a couple parts. Um, uh, B C and A C, church being the C. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have met some uh, um, several actually. I call them um, recovering Mormons. Okay. And listen to me. Had, did they go? <laughs> did they go crazy when they decided that they weren't Mormon anymore? I haven't even done the things that these people do when they decide they're recovering from that whole thing. And you have a whole other life ahead of you now, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm excited yeah. for you. So you're <laughs> Tinder. 
<laughs> okay, no Tinder. Yeah, no, you have like a very blank slate. You do have a blank slate, right? Totally. You're I mean, op- you're, you're, you're going to do great I things. I hope so. I mean, I'm optimistic about about things. I mean, I've I took a number of months just to kind of unwind and recover. Okay. I think I took the first like several months and just slept. Good for you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of sleeping, and then started to to reconnect a little bit with more with family and friends. Okay. And I hadn't really realized how much. I had not been spending you know, time with my, my family, with some of my friends. Wow. And so that's that's been good to do. And I did a little traveling. Um, Nick Excellent. and I Nick and I do some some traveling to, to beer destinations. Some beer traveling, okay. Oh yeah. Very good. Vacations. Oh yes. <laughs> We've been doing those for quite some time. That's right. Yeah, good. Our first one was out to Dogfish Head. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Did you was, stay in the hotel? No, that was well before they had it. Oh even before that, okay. Yeah. 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 That was we walked in two thousand four or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I remember just walking in and saying, uh, "Yeah, we're supposed to, we're looking for some guy named Klaus." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This guy stands up. That's me. Right. And wow. Just starts walking around. But anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm looking to see, you know, what do I do next? What's what do I want to do? I've had a number of people who, you know, as, as I met, immediately left, you know, I had several people said, "So I heard you opened a brewery. Can I have the beer?" And I said, "I no." <laughs> right. I, there's been so many rumors. That's the weird thing. Oh, yeah. Why did you leave? What'd you really leave yeah. for? And yeah. I heard you're married. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, everyone's already said, I heard you're married. I said, really? To who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, who is he? You know, it's been really uh, weird no. to be on. <laughs> I'm just messing right now. <laughs> it's been weird to be on the outside because Wait. Like, I'm the close friend, right? And pe- didn't, pe- people- didn't you tell me that someone there was a rumor even about you two? Yeah. Yeah. Definite rumors. <laughs> Definite rumors <laughs> everywhere. I have two kids. Right. I swear. And a, a wife, yeah. That's right. You That's know right. what? People are always going to talk. Mm-hmm. You, you might, yeah. Everyone knows that, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. yeah, whenever there's an air of mystique, then they just keep on talking. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, okay. I, I know you. we want to talk about beer. I want to say to you that I'm happy for you. Thanks. I'm optimistic for you. And that I very, very much appreciate you being so uh, forthcoming about this, this whole thing. Because I think our listeners, if I, if I glossed over anything, that would have been like, Justin, bro. <laughs> He had, like, he had like five more questions in there. Man. So I, I, I appreciate that. I hope it's not no. uncomfortable for you. No. And uh, good, good. All no, right. I'm happy. I mean, because it's, it's, it's a very much a, it was a very much a wonderful part of my life. Yeah. I mean, I still look back on it and the, you know, the people I was with, that I served with, that I ministered with and everything. I look still look, you know, have the utmost respect for them and love for them. And right. you know, I, I look to say, okay, I, I still believe there's a lot of, lot of stuff in my future that I can do. And, sure. And for example, I was thinking I could confess to you right after the show. You could already start doing your next job, which is le- as a civilian. No, Bevo? You Honestly, don't? like, I don't think, don't put that on him. <laughs> he was like, you can't. I'm not sure you have enough time. First of all, you're not. Like, and, and he don't thinks do that he's to him. all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'll be like, shit, I got to go back to the church. <laughs> <laughs> These people need my help. Yeah. Uh, it looks like first, I gotta get a shower. <laughs> he would have to confess after your confession. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, Jeff, you're back so soon. <laughs> Bishop, we gotta talk, man. <laughs> it is rough out there. Don't yeah. go to California. The whole place is on fire. I don't. The and place I'll tell is on you, fire after for After talking to Justin, there's a reason. Yeah. The devil's armpit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Yes. Um, all right. Let's get to uh, competition brewing uh, with you guys. And uh, now we've got, you know, the good news is with that, um, we, we've, we've gotten through some of your backstory and how you got uh, you got together and started brewing together. Um, 
and how you came to win um, Ninkasi. So why don't we start just then back at like the the basics for those of our, our listeners who want to start brewing, and and maybe we can just start with like equipment. I did do did you all have or do I need a bunch of fancy equipment to start getting ready for competition? So. I'm kind of like the gearhead of the – like I'm the process guy. That's – when Jeff and I first kind of started making beer together, I think it got pretty good when I started bringing my strengths to the table, which was uh, process, uh, equipment, uh, repeatability, those kind of things. Jeff's always been the creative recipe kind of guy. And so, I mean, we're here to tell you don't – you can – Brew beer on any system you want. Okay. Uh, it doesn't have to be. Uh, assuming your um, your chiller doesn't have a hole in it. <laughs> right, right. So right. Almo- almost any system. Right, right. Yeah. Um, the fancy stainless steel, more beer thing's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, we have that. But you don't need to have it. You okay. know, any normal three-vessel system will work fine. Okay. Uh, there's a couple things you got to have. Like, you got to probably be going to get to that next level. You got to be doing all grain. Okay. You know. You got to probably be doing um, anything you can to make it repeatable. Right? So that's the key. Okay, is that's why all grain is important mm-hmm. because you were doing uh, partial or mini mash, mm-hmm. um, and Jeff didn't see a whole lot of issues there, other than an, an equipment failure. Mm-hmm. But you're worried about the repeatability when you use extract of any kind. No, no. I just think that if you want to get to that next level, okay. you got to be having. You know, go all full grain. control. Yeah, right, right. Full control. Okay, it, it comes down to repeatability. You know, the way you mash and um, all those different things. So, for so, equi- oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying. I mean, but for equipment, we both started out pretty similar. Um, we both started out with you know these big insulated coolers. You know, the got coolers or something like that, or igloo coolers that you know you constructed your own little false bottom out of, and you know the biggest you know pot that we could afford. Um, sure. I, I mean, I remember the first stock pot I bought that was like 22 quart, and I thought, golly. Yeah, yeah. It's huge. <laughs> right. Now yeah. it seems tiny. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, compared to we, we bought a, like a 45-gallon pot a while back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you were brewing on your stovetop to start like everybody else. Started but, with that. And okay. then one of my buddies was like, hey, you can go down to the sporting goods store. 20 bucks gets you a propane burner. I'm like, all right. The bayou burner or oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I know that. We had yeah. that exact thing. Okay. Yeah, moved yeah. outside. Mm-hmm. And, and so you can you can start with a lot of those basics. Okay. Um, but uh, I know for, for Nick and I, we found that – you know, we really began to do better when we started, you know, one, doing all grain, uh, which gave us a little more control to tweak things for competitions. Um, and then also... I mean, we've had really good extract beer. I mean, there's no... I mean, you can make... Comp- I mean, some people have won at nationals with contract, uh, extract beer. Okay. But it just... If you really want to nail it down, you got to be all grain. And I think it's a good point because you're not you're not saying that extract is not of quality. You're You're actually... At least what I'm hearing is you're just saying... You want as much of the process as possible to be under your control, mm-hmm. to be repeatable. Mm-hmm. And all grain does that mm-hmm. a little better than extract, yeah. even though obviously there's, there's great extract available. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Anything you can do to make it repeatable. I mean, any standard three-vessel system is fine. Okay. Um, there's minor things. you can. I mean, we tweak it. I mean, My igloo mash tun, by the way, mm-hmm. with a false bottom from mm-hmm. Morbeer, mm-hmm. was still the best mash tun I've ever had. Sure. Sure. And I had the more beer 1552, and uh, you know that match ton worked, but it was kind of a big fat pain in the ass all the time. Mm-hmm. It also had been uh, passed down through four brewers before it got to me. But my igloo was so now you could only do like a single infusion, right? Mm-hmm. 
but it was so simple. Like once I dialed it in and then it just stayed there for the hour, like it was mm-hmm. supposed to, I think I dropped a degree or something. Sure, yeah. so anyhow, I'm just sort of agreeing. Oh, sure. Three vessel system and the simplest mash tun I ever had was the best mash tun I ever had. Yeah, I mean, whatever it takes, whatever you feel comfortable on is fine. Okay. As long as you've got a couple of those basic things going on, I think it's okay. Well, what do you have as far as on the seller side? Do you have fermenta- fermentation temp control? Mm-hmm. You have to have that. I mean, that's the next thing I think yeah. you've got to have as a bare minimum is you've got to have fermentation control. And oxygen, you know, under – you got we direct use the microstone wand like everyone else does and then yeah. put oxygen in there and then – control the fermentation so aerate your wort mm-hmm. uh which has with it with oxygen mm-hmm. not by shaking it in a mm-hmm. carboy mm-hmm. with oxygen mm-hmm. and then we cannot compromise on temperature control temperature control is a must okay it really is because i mean there's so many things that that can happen to your beer as y'all know the, you know during the fermentation process that if you're running too hot too cold um there's yeah. so many of these things that can go all kinds of wonky yeah okay mm-hmm. Um, all right, so fermentation control. And then since we're talking about fermentation, have you guys noticed a difference between doing a yeast starter or just pitching a bunch of vials? You know, that's, or... that's an interesting thing because we're kind of – we're not. I wouldn't say anti-starter, but we don't usually do starters. You don't? You don't do starters. Get out I'm of surprised. Here. I know, right? No, well – Here's for... what I like about you saying mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that people that I trust and respect on this very show disagree on this very topic. Mm-hmm. And I'm always torn because I I respect and trust these people. So, for example, uh, Chris White will tell you that we very, very carefully um, decide how many cells are in these packets of White Labs yeast for you. Like, we have spent a time and money researching this, right? So just pitch it, and you'll be ca- you'll be good. And then people like Jamil, who I love and respect, will say, I love Chris White, but you absolutely have to do a starter. And I never know who to listen to. This probably won't be solved here today, but I, but you, you don't. It's a combo for us. Like, okay. if we're doing a big beer, right, mm-hmm. or like a lager, we'll make a starter for sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but if it's, I mean, we're work, working, you know what I mean, at the same time. Well, he's not. But yeah, I, Abby, you don't you don't yeah, have endless time to like. Yeah, is, is it better to rush stuff. a starter or pitch two packets? Right, I think it's better uh, for me to pitch well, two so, packets. And so, the, so, so you're you. pitching more because yeah. you're not doing a starter. Yeah, so you got to get your cell count up no matter what. Okay, right, but um, less to, chance to me, of contamination. Like, right, yeah, you oxygenate yeah. it the right way already. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got that nailed down. It's at the right temperature already, ready to go. Um, Right. And these are the packets. these are the areas where I would always be so torn because because Chris White will look me in the eyes and be like, we propagated it perfectly in a lab. We put all the nutrients it needed in a lab. We did this in a lab. And then your dumbass is going to dump it into an open beaker and let it spin around for 24 hours before you throw it into your beer. And I was always like, God, yeah, that sounds dumb. And then Jamil's like... Listen, no, I like put this. it under a microscope, <laughs> and it needs more cells, and the whole goddamn thing. Um, so that, that but was you will in- you'll pitch more. You'll do two packets uh, instead of one. Get the cell count up. So, and- like, we won the Nicasi for this. So, like, we had the two beers that won first. Yeah, the one was uh, the quad. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you have to have a starter for that, right? Yeah, quad's so a, a huge yeah, we had beer. To, so. Had to do a starter, and then oh, yeah. the second 
beer with specialty IPA. Uh-huh. And I still think that gravity was like 1068 or something, 1070. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we pitched three packets. Wow. And that was it. I mean, that's – I mean – even, but that's weird because Jamil's yeast calculator even tells you like, oh, it's ten million packets, and just go you know. packets. I guess, and I mm-hmm. hate when I put words in his mouth. He mm-hmm. hates it too. Um, <laughs> occasionally, though, he's like, it's more also to make it active. Like Chris mm-hmm. will sometimes say. If you want to get it active and going, I'm not telling you that's a terrible thing. I'm just telling you, you're not really propagating any more cells than you need. Like you're not getting more cells unless this unless you feed it a second time and let it like really grow. So th- I think the two of them might agree sometimes that like just to get it alive and like alive. That's a terrible word. Chris would shoot me for saying that. Uh, <laughs> just to get it awake and happy and like ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I mean, are that's you certain? We don't do often. Okay, and you're certain that Jesus doesn't have anything to do with that because <laughs> uh, you do have somebody on your side. Right, I feel right. like, but we're not using holy water for that's it. That's right. No okay, all right. Water. So yeah. it's just okay. Mm-hmm. All right, I like this. But so fermentation matters, pitch count matters. But sure. for you, <laughs> you don't, guys, you don't pray over it. you're not too concerned about a starter unless you said like it's a, a, a lager. Yeah. Like a big I lager. mean, if we yeah. had the time and it was like maybe an ideal situation, always it's. I guess in a perfect world, yeah, you would always make a starter, but it's just It clearly like, hasn't hurt yeah. you that you don't. So those beers, like, we okay. want, yeah. Uh, no, it hasn't hurt yeah. us. Yeah, I mean, we've done well in competition mm-hmm. by double pitching. Um, okay. And, and not doing... We st- also do re- things other people don't do. Like, we, it's so damn hot in Texas, like, we can never pitch the same day. Like, I always have to really? let it cool down overnight. Well, Because so the groundwater's uh, warm. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's coming out like 80-some-odd degrees. Yeah. 80 degrees. I, yeah. I had that issue here in, in California, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have that issue in my commercial brewery. And, you're, actually. <laughs> yeah. and you got glycol and everything. Yeah. You know, you know, like I have learned, I've learned, I was a home brewer. I was okay. very serious mm-hmm. about my home brewing. I was very like, I had all the controls, I had all the temp controls and everything. And here I start my commercial brewery and I want to do a lager in the summer. And I'm like, crap, I can't get, I can't get the beer in the tank less than like 70 degrees. Mm-hmm. What the hell am I going to do? But you know what? Like, there's so many ways to get to the right answer. Like, we've we've made award-winning loggers that we pitched at 70 degrees. We just put them in the tank, and we cooled that tank down as quickly as we could. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's there, there are so many ways to win. So sure, yeah. I think the, the funny thing is, is, like, everyone's always looking for the most successful way, but there's so many different mm-hmm. ways right. to do it right. But, okay, and I agree with that. Fermentation control. Mm-hmm. What about just, like, consistency and repeatability? Because there are so many ways to win, but I'm feeling like you guys maybe nailed down a process that works for you, and you do that. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say? Oh, sure. I mean, that is the number one thing. I mean, the the best brewers that are winning these competitions every time, they can take a recipe and make it again. I mean, I don't know how many people just win an award because they made a beer they can't ever make again, right? Right. So, um let me ask you this on that front. When you guys won Ninkasi, mm-hmm. did you remake those beers for the second round that got you into the yes, second round? Yeah, each time. You did, and clearly wow. you repeated them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, not on the quad. The quad we didn't because mm-hmm. it needed a lot of lead time, but mm-hmm. for the, for the um, especially IPA, we did. Okay. And actually, we brewed that one. Gosh, we brewed like three different versions of it. For yeah, we did 15 gallons, round. split it, three different yeasts, three different dry hops. Which one tastes better? Wow. Throw it in. Wow. Oh, cool. And chose the one... Okay, so this is, I think, an important point, mm-hmm. because 
we are talking about a couple of different things here. Repeatability, mm-hmm. I think a listener might go, oh, well, then when you brew the beer again, it's going to be exactly the beer that you brewed before. But you guys hedged your bet for that. So even though I'm guessing you have a process down, you then put in the extra effort to go, well, let's brew three of them and figure out which is as close to the one that already got us to the second round. Kind of, kind of. See, okay. what I, here's the difference. Okay. So on the first round in that year, some judges were a little negative. like, oh, you need a little more nose. Mm. You need a little bit more cleaner, you know, like a cleaner finish. Okay. And then we were like, well, let's remake it. We could make it the exact same way and just make a small tweak, and it would be small tweak, right? Yeah. yeah. That's the repeatability we're talking about. You have to be able to make a beer like the wit and put a different coriander in it, just turn out slightly different. To yeah. see the result. If not, you're hitting a moving target, right? Yeah, yeah you're, like, yeah. you're never going to learn anything mm-hmm. if you change mm-hmm. seven variables. But oh, yeah. at the same time, like that quad, I could make it ten times in a row and you would, it would be pretty much the same every time. Okay. So we're, we're real big on the idea of, of our ingredients, um, you know, with our – you know, making sure our water is a certain way, um, all those things like that. Because one of the things we found out is, is you know, every, every two row differs a little bit. Ah, just a little bit. Every brand or every like every time you go to the homebrew shop and get two row, it's different. Even every, if it's the same brand, every brand, every brand's different. And okay. so we we found the one that we felt worked best for us, which happened to be raw two row. Mm-hmm. And we you know we knew what kind of yield we were getting from it. We knew how it was going to be. You know everything was behaving during the mash, and so we stuck with that. And there'd be times where we would go to the homebrew store, and they'd say, "Hey, you know we got this new malt in. It's it's less expensive." Yeah. And you know, usually we'd say, no, no, I, still, I, I need my sack of Arturo um, because I know what, it, I, what it's going to taste like. I know what it's going to be like. And it's the same thing with, with our hops, um, which I know, you know Nick and I have had some things with hops where you know, sometimes as a homebrewer you go in and say, okay, I need you know, three ounces of Cascade, three ounces of Centennial, and two ounces of Simcoe, and you're on your merry way. Yeah, yeah that's what I do. And, and Never won a competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. and ingredients and repeatability and that, that's a whole – we could do a whole show on that. I mean, it's one of those things where it's – but what we're talking about here is more like process. You know, you yeah. can make a beer, repeat it every time, and, and you know, nail it. Okay. But yeah. the ingredients matter, and I think we'll come back to that too because okay. I'm glad you bring it up. But in this particular – I like this IPA as an example because you still – you decided to brew it again for the second round. Mm. But you made uh, three tweaks in three different batches. Is that or is that what happened? Sure. Okay. Yeah. And then you still end up – so you – I like this part of it too, by the way. You, sure. you, 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 it wasn't a 50-point beer. Nobody makes a 50-point beer, mm. right? So it had negative comments. You took those – it still made it to the second round. Yeah. But it had negative comments in the feedback you got from the judges. Mm-hmm. And you decided over – the course of three batches to rebrew it to address those comments. So we made the same one 15 gallon batch mm-hmm. and split it. Got it. Mm-hmm. And then so the differences were like how you dry hopped it, yes. maybe how you ferment, fermentation temperature. And stuff like that. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I so, really like this idea. I mm-hmm. think that um, just because even if you had gotten, say, well, how many points did you get on that beer? Do you remember? Oh, I don't know. Because you can make it to the second round with thirty-five points sometimes, yeah, was, yeah, right? I mean, we, you know, we. I mean, IPA is always going to be a good score because there's so many in it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, even though you might have scored very well, you're not just going. Well, I made it to the second round, so I'm just going to rebrew that beer and send it in. You guys thought about how you could react to the judges. I think it's nationals, though, because that's the big, that's the big dance, right? You know, yeah, it's, yeah, you've got. Yeah. 
winners from all over the country coming into second round, and you're like, well, if this regional judge thought it didn't have enough nose, yeah, then we better really up it, right? Yeah, it's yeah. got to be something completely different. So. so is that how it works? Like you enter the competition mm-hmm. and there's t- there's two rounds? Yeah, so like maybe – and a lot of people don't even know what the Ninkasi is. Like I don't no, think that may, that's an everyday – No, you should explain because yeah, I, yeah. I don't. This girl sitting over here all day is like, who the hell are these people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so no the, I, I give respect where yeah, respect's due, yeah. but and, I don't understand how it so works. So <laughs> there's like 12 or 13 regional sites, okay? okay. And everybody sends – I think it's 9,000 entries or something it's like that. It's ridiculous, yeah. Oh, my God. And so you yeah. send it through, and then if you get – God, my my voice is crazy. This fire is like I'm cracking like nonstop. Like you know, so girl. I was gone for the weekend <clears throat> and came back, and it's bothering me just in the two days. That, that, uh, actually, 12 hours I've been home. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I keep downing beer like it's water. We'll be fine. Bev, can we get some water? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Either way, so you send, you send in this beer through first round then the, the people that place in those categories um end up moving on to final round and so so, so you have an opportunity to yeah. brew the beer again you yes do, and yeah. some people do and some people don't yeah, yeah some, some people, people just send in the, the beer, same beer. Those it does that don't, yeah. don't win you okay. have to rebrew it i mean you can't <laughs> unless have like yeah. you guys i mean if it's a barley wine mm-hmm. if it's yeah. a quad yeah, sure. if it's mm-hmm. if it was something that was from your cellar that was already 2 years old anyway yeah. um, but if it's any of the fresh styles right. you got to uh, you have to remake i mean you can't yeah. not right but so. some people don't by the way yeah. and those people don't win in kasi so let's yeah. just be clear about that <laughs> okay. so then kasi is like if you get a first you get points for first second and third uh-huh. the most points in the second round is the overall winner and that's the Ninkasi. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah so cool. by winning two first, it's kind of a shoe-in kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but that's how it worked. Either way, because of that, you know you're competing back to this black IPA, right? Yeah. So um, you know you're competing against especially specialty IPA because it's – Yeah, that's – You know, that's a huge, 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 right? lot of different things. Um, and, yeah. you know, now it's even crazier with hazies and all that stuff, right? So yeah. um, if you're getting any kind of negative, it's a good time to probably tweak it, right? Uh, it's a good time to probably just do something slightly different. So we just dry hopped it slightly different, really upped it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't have been my favorite beer to drink in the world, but it was good. Yeah. And um, I mean, we and then so after we did everything, we just tried everything side by side, six beers just in a row. Okay. And yeah. just said this is the best one. And, and I mean, a lot of it is you have to have a good palate to know. Sure. What's good and stuff like that. So. So that's a good point, mm-hmm. by the way, that as you get better at this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't want I don't want brewers to be discouraged by this. You have to have a good palate. You should be developing a good palate if you want to do well in competition. Well, and one of the things that Nick and I always do is whenever we have a particular beer that we are wanting to brew, then we look to the style guidelines and we say, okay, what are the commercial examples? Got it. And we try and get every one that we can. And, mm. and it's getting better in Texas. A lot of the laws have changed, and we're, we're getting a lot more beers coming in. Yeah. And so we're able to get some of those styles. And what we'll do is we'll we'll sit down with as many of those as we can get, and we taste through them. Okay. And see, okay, what can we taste? You know, we're supposed to taste this or that. Can you taste this? Yeah. And then, you know, what do we like about it? What do we not like about it? And then, you know, we, we formulate our recipe um, based around that. And we'll look also to other people who've done recipes. Um, we'll look at uh, Jamil's book and see kind of some of the stuff that he's done, as well as look at other other recipes. And, sure. Yeah. And compare. Then, Use the resources that mm-hmm. are out there. Yeah. By the way, this comparing commercial styles should not be understated Mm-mm. because it's almost like cheating if you think about it. In other words... The commercial examples for every style are listed right there in the mm-hmm. BJCP. And if judges are stuck on a beer in their at their table, for example, they will absolutely refer to the style and go, 
well, you know what? This is a great IPA, but it does not match this category. It's more of a hazy IPA. I don't know what they might end up saying. This one's more of an English IPA. So if you can't align it with the commercial examples that are listed, this is why I say it's like cheating. They're listed right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, It might be the difference between the judges moving one beer or another one, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we made the black IPA. There was this beer by Lagunitas. Uh, Nighttime mm-hmm. is the beer. Yeah, I remember that I just that thought beer. that that beer was the balls. I don't know how to say I just thought that was the best beer. And I one. found out. Um, it was actually, it was actually <laughs> Nationals. Yeah, it was at Nationals. We were in Grand Rapids. And it was funny. I found out like through this site that they use midnight wheat as the specialty ingredient. Ah, uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> it turned out that like the maltster was uh, – who, I think it's Brees. Brees is making – they're giving out like a one-ounce sample of this – Ingredients oh, and I'm like Jeff. I just put this recipe in. We need 19 samples. <laughs> I was like, we just kept going around the line over and over yeah, and over. Yeah, and over. Oh, man, the guy's like, do you just want some fucking malt? I, I, I was know? just gonna <laughs> say, I, especially these conferences, you can always just go like, can I have 19? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would have loved you for it. They would have laughed. I can either absolutely. go through line 20 times, or you can just yeah. like hand me all. I like the that you did that. that you have. That's funny. We can do that's this the awesome. fun way. Or- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that, that's how we did. So we would try that beer. We brewed it, tried it side by side, and you made it made adjustments. Okay. Well, you know, the first year our brewery was open, we had um, this this local guy. His name's Big Mike Moore because he's like almost seven feet tall, and he's a he's a grandmaster beer judge, and he takes beer tours in Belgium and Germany. And he's he's like a beer educator. He's like he's made beer his career somehow or some way. And he did a like a style training with us over like I don't know it was probably like fifteen weeks where wow. each week we would sit and taste commercial examples of a given beer style, and it helped so much. I mean, we we knew quite a bit when we opened the brewery, but just to do that like style training and just yeah. really dig into beer style, it was awesome. I I would highly recommend it to oh, homebrew sure, clubs sure. just to like have this. Good advice. The only thing on I've ever calendar. done for fifteen weeks is drink. I've never <laughs> committed well, to any other thing. It was, that. It, and and we actually filled out like judging sheets for mm-hmm. these beers, right? And we would do them blind, and we would like taste. You know, oh my god, it, it was. I kind of. I kind of wish we could do it Wanna again. Want to do it honestly. again? <laughs> yeah. And we kind of skipped this. I meant to bring this up earlier, but you got all fascinated with Jeff's pre-shit. So, um, <laughs> pre-shit. I love it. One day he'll, he we might refer to it the same tracks. way. He'll be my like, yeah, hey, remember, remember when I went through that priest phase? Yeah. <laughs> that like, that, like that eye phase, roll yeah. right now was just so telling. It's just like, we're yeah, yeah. all drawn in. So You're funny. so yeah. over it. Either way. Take right. super over it. You're like so, 18 oh. years. It's enough. <laughs> Get over it already. <laughs> God, become a used car salesman. Uh, either way, so we, we have traveled. I mean, we've been to Belgium three times. We've been to Oktoberfest really? a couple times. I mean, we've really, before we ever really got into brewing as much, I mean, we were, we've were we been traveling. Yeah. We've been to London. I mean, we just really have always loved craft beer. So, sure. You know, I can tell you, you know, this wit is good. It, yeah. That, you know, that's important. People, like, find a style, some local brewery. Is making something like, oh man, yeah, I love this style, and it's the only one they've ever had, and it's like, who yeah, even knows if that's a good style. Well, this yeah, is a good point, and that's why I was kind of going back to like you, you, you don't, don't not enter competitions because you haven't developed your palate, but if you want to do well in competitions, develop your palate so that you can you can taste these commercial examples and then and and put your own beer 
to the test. Yeah. Based and on I would that. say that okay. my palate is a lot less. Jeff is more of the chef. He's He's got that more refined taste. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Okay. So. And everybody's different like that. So mine is not that re- refined either. Mm-hmm. But if mm-hmm. I do sit down with Jamil or somebody else, I find that I definitely can um, – well, I can talk my way through it with everybody, and the, and maybe Jeff will say something, and and I'll go, oh yeah, I did just pick that up. I wouldn't have said it without you, but now that you said it, I pick that up. So it's uh, it's also helpful that you guys are a team and having other people come and, and taste with That's you. That's the thing. I mean, with us, it's we play off each other a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he can really taste things that I can't, and I'm better at like Jeff. We got to make this. It's due in two weeks. Let's you know, let's nail it down. So sure, um, that's kind of it. All right, let me get us to a break. We've done a long stretch here, but we've got more to cover. So hang tight, and when we come back, we're going to discuss more about competition brewing with uh, our Ninkasi winners. Hang in there. You're listening to the session. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. All right. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for hanging out with us. We got more to do. We got more beer to try. We've got more to talk about. Uh, we already talked a little bit about um, how to prep for competition, and one good way to do that is to make sure you keep all your recipes in one place. You can do that by using Beersmith Brewing Software. Go to beersmith.com right now. You get a free 21 day trial, and so that way you don't have to take my word for it. It works on Mac and PC and. Uh, God, it probably works on computers that haven't even been invented yet because Brad's really good at what he does over there. Go to beersmith.com and check it out right now. That's the Beersmith Brewing Software. All right. So before the break, we were still talking about uh, repeatability and uh, even brewing with other people so that you have uh, some other palates in there. And then you had mentioned a phrase to me, Nick, that uh, that sounded important in your, in your brewing philosophy. We talk about this uh, idea of... You got to avoid the ugly baby. Okay. The idea of that. So don't have white children. Is that what you're saying? Because <laughs> I've always felt that white kids are ugly. <laughs> Except for Abigail, Bev, everybody knows I feel this way. Right. Well, there's just been, I mean, you've been to that party where guys like, man, I am so stoked about how this beer turned out. Can you try this? And you're like, I got to scrape my tongue to get the feeling of <laughs> disgust off of this beer. And it's this thing that right. brewing is such a labor of love. Mm-hmm. You just get – blinders get turned on. And the idea of Ugly yep. Baby is, you know – I see what you mean. Yeah. Now, you actually mean what I'm talking yeah, about. I mean, yeah. My nobody, joke is that you like your ugly baby. Well, nobody ever wants to admit that their baby's ugly. Right. But the fact that is there are some ugly babies in this world. That doesn't mean that they're not you know, wonderful children, that their parents love them and so on and so forth. Sure. But They're just ugly. They, <laughs> no, I'm with no, you they, on this. I'm being yeah. serious. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been too. saying it for years. Yeah. And so it's, it's similar with, with beer and brewing because – you know, somebody puts so much time, effort, love into um, into into making a beer. They don't want to admit that there's something wrong with it. Yeah, oh, don't sure. don't succumb to they that. Can't see it. <laughs> they can't see it. And and yeah, they're too close. They're they're mystified by the the may the way that they just made alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it's right. so amazing. Now here's let me ask you this though. Be- and now I'm genuinely asking your opinion if you've really thought about this because okay. I have talked about this for years in in brewing that like don't don't have the blinders on don't be sensitive be open to criticism but I've started to wonder if there are people who never can mm-hmm. be does it, do you see what I'm getting at aren't there people who don't have that gene or that capability to be that objective so like think of it. 
you, I think that's the difference in these competition people. Okay. It's like with us. Um, I'm the kind of guy that there's been several occasions when I've come home from work and I've tried a beer. And I've been like, this fucking beer is terrible. And then yeah. I just empty every keg and pour. I mean, it's like maniacal. Almost Yikes. like yeah. you're, you're comparing it to this, uh, you know, un, unachievable homebrew standard that you're trying to get to. Right. Okay. And then some people are just like, hey, I made a keg of this. I'm going to drink it. Yeah. You know? It's like, and everybody can have it. It's fine. I made it. It's great. And, uh, you know, the point of this was not to bring up that, but more it's like when you bring with somebody else, you're in competitions, it's an easy way for you to kind of be open get to real feedback. It's, it's yeah. opening yourself up and um, yeah. that's tough for some people. Oh, it is. I mean, there is, we did, there's a thing that, um, was it, uh, was it Beer and Brewing Magazine did, mm-hmm. um, which was, they called a brewer's retreat. And I think other, other, groups have done similar things yeah and nick and i went on this in colorado and there was this guy who came up to us who who sort of touted himself as just being a brewing badass okay oh and it starts there oh and he, he said yeah. you know i got a belgian blonde he said that's the only thing i make i don't need to make any other beer because it is the most phenomenal beer ever <laughs> oh my god this guy and he was our wow. group and we were like you're like all right i gotta try this beer he makes one no beer. you did oh, not yeah. think that you yeah. saw exactly what i think was like well this isn't gonna be good well, he, was like, <laughs> he was a doctor okay and he had he had poured all this money into this system it's like what well, we kind of went back to didn't he like buy a mountain or something yeah Dude, i don't know it's it was Fort, something Fort collins bullshit <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> Either way. I'm with you, yeah. Either way. So um, all right. he, this whole thing goes on, and we're there, and this guy, he's like, I'm going to bring the beer. And we were brewing with uh, Stephen Powell Stephen Powell's of, of uh, Boulevard. Boulevard. That's who we're brewing with. Oh, and my gosh. Stephen's like, and we're brewing with him. And, yeah. and um, Stephen's like, um, he hands him the beer, and Stephen's just like, oh, my God. This is the worst thing I've ever put in my mouth. He said it. Out loud. He turned, it was like this Belgium. Oh, no, he didn't no say filter. it to the guy. No, yeah. no. Okay, yeah. he said it right to his face. Oh, he, oh, he oh that's so awesome. And he even so said, awesome. "Like, come over Yay. here, Matt Brendelson. Wow. Let me let and you try the worst beer is. in my world." <laughs> oh wow! And, I go, and then I gave beer to I Steve. Love I was like, Steven, right now. Here you go. Yeah, you know. but you want that the is, feedback. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. oh, what a beautiful He's like, "Oh, you made this." I was like. So I, I guess I'm saying that I agree with you that that people should be careful that they that they're closed off to feedback. I just think that there are people like this gentleman you're describing that will never really be open to it. They can't see it. I mean, that's people. No one is like saying, "Oh, my baby's ugly," and but I'm not going to tell anybody. They just can't see it. And at the same time, be careful. I think you mentioned this starting this too. Be careful that you don't go too far to the other side. You know, right. I quit writing right. music mm-hmm. because I could never write a Beatles song. <laughs> right? Sure. Like, I was all right. I was mm. kind of all right. Mm. But every song I wrote, I was like, it's not a Beatles song. And I'm just, I'm a fan. <laughs> like, they're my gold standard, right? So mm. um, I'm not saying I should have become a musician, but I shouldn't have quit, per se, because I'm not the Beatles, right? Mm, yeah. So d- somewhere in between is taking feedback. And uh, and then also because it's not a fifty point beer, don't go dump all your kegs down. Yeah, the that's and I'm you. Yeah, I'm you with that. And he's <laughs> yeah. like my brain was like, okay, you know, it it's was fine, fine, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fine. It's like didn't have to throw away all that fucking beer, man. So, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. it's fine. I, I'm sure. Well, that's and, how and he the said beauty the beauty of competitions is you can get that feedback without ego. You know, sure, like yeah. you can have a huge ass ego and send your beer to competitions and it gets hammered. 
Mm-hmm. And you don't so, have to be mad at anybody mm-hmm. because it was not they they weren't telling it to your face. You know, I mean that that's kind of the the greatest thing. And right. that's something that's we should, so let's talk about that because unbiased feedback is important too. Yes. So Stephen Pals, who I love even more than I loved before, now yeah. you told me that story <laughs> um, is an exception, but most of the time. Even if you want to give somebody um, uh, positive feedback when you're or, or real feedback when you're face to face, you still you kind of pull some punches, right? We all do because oh, you, you don't want to insult anybody. But in competition, they're not in your face, well, that was a and point. they're just going to hand you some sheets. And so, one reason to enter obviously is for this unbiased feedback. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the main. Yeah, that's yeah. the first thing you get. So you've you've come along your journey. You start making beer. Mm-hmm. And you know you got to throw it in a comp to see how how it really does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, you got to throw it in more than one comp. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than one competition because you know I'd run into somebody who said, "Well, yeah, I entered a competition, I didn't do well, and so I just decided not to do it anymore." Well, right. You, know, you, you got to enter it again. Or you know, I've had somebody said, "Well, I didn't get a whole lot of feedback," and that can happen. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a judge is rushed, or you know, isn't writing a whole lot of uh, details. And but then every once in a while, or more than every once in a while, you'll get a judge that really will get into it and say, "Loved that we know what you did about this or what you did about that." Yeah. Or you know, I detected something like this. You might want to you know watch your fermentation temperature or some things like that. We even even recently, you know, we've got somebody who was we started getting comment, uh, comments about oxidation. We thought, you know, why are we getting comments about oxidation? We hadn't had that before. Yeah. And so we just started really you know looking again at our process of of everything we did. And tried to nail it down. I think we, I think we figured out what the deal is. Yeah, it was just a another minor hole thing. In a, yeah, no, another hole in a, hole in yeah. a tube somewhere. <laughs> it's well, weird though. But, like uh, a lot of people will say, "Hey, why?" It's not natural for everybody to like want to enter a competition. Some people just don't want to put themselves out there. Yeah, you know, to get that feedback. Yeah, but um, I mean, it's it's just one of those things. It's going to make you a better brewer in the end. Uh, I mean, it's such a and it's just a lot of fun. So I mean, that's why sure. Well, the feedback super important. I'm glad you mentioned to enter more than one competition because sometimes also those comments can be random and not true. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that uh, judging is subjective. Correct. But if you got, for example, consistent notes about oxidation, go looking for it. In fact, even if you got one note for oxidation, go looking for it. But maybe you, you don't go crazy until you heard it three or four times. Uh, so you're, in other words, use the feedback to your advantage, right? Yes. Okay. And by entering multiple competitions, I like this advice uh, that, you you know, across, then you're you're getting a span of judges. um, Yeah. Well, and also even, you know, one of the things to do as we get ready for nationals is to to enter into more than just your local competitions in your own, your own area, your own state, Hmm. but try something on East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, you know, the Southwest. Because the the palettes will differ a little bit, right? You know the 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 type of IPA that someone's looking for on the East Coast is going to be different than sometimes you'll see in the West or in the the Midwest. That's a good point, and it that that becomes important also when you choose your judging center, or well when you try and put in and for your judging too. centers at nationals. Yeah, can you still enter any region you yeah, want you in can. the first round? Yeah. That's still it, a this thing. This year was weird because this was a weird year for us because we've always entered in like the Austin regional, uh-huh. okay, and uh, they didn't have it this year. So, like, my option was Denver, Minnesota. It's like, I don't know if they're going to like this kind of IPA there. I mean, it's, it's mm. not as different as we're making it. Not but, anymore. Yeah. I do. I think mm. it used to be. I mm-hmm. think it's probably changing a little now where, so. yeah, people are a little more used to it. But, okay. um, so choosing you know, your competition just to get some variance, though. That, well, that and it's like there's a little bit of reverse logic 
to competitions. Um, the bigger the competition to us, the hmm. easier it is to win. Interesting. Because, uh, like, Why is that? you know, if your brewery, oh, let's not use your brewery. No you names. can use my brewery. No, no. If your brewery puts ah. on a competition, okay, uh-huh. it's probably going to be, um, you know, a single style maybe. Or it'll be like just uh, everybody enter a beer and we're going to judge the beers all in a group. Right? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's Oktoberfest versus Porter yeah. versus whatever. Oh, yeah. And so that's not really fair, right? So if yeah, you're trying some to of those win, beers yeah, are going to stand right. out more than right. others. Mm-hmm. That's why yeah. Best of Show is like always a shit show, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, <laughs> thing. It just is. It's like how are you even comparing, right? Yeah. yeah. But um, a, a lot of it is the number if – you're, if you're trying to win with subtleties, you need a lot of entries, right? Yeah. You need mm-hmm. a lot of entries. And so the larger competitions seem to have better judges – Better judges can pick out those subtleties. Hmm. That's why you need to pick better comps. I don't know. It seemed like when we first started, we would enter these littler competitions, and it was like we were moving targets. It was like the That's one judge said this was shitty. The other guy said this was great. And, you know, it, it ended up. It's kind of a lack of consistency <laughs> there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so right. that makes sense. Yeah, so. And judge it, maybe not even just the size, although I bet it's correlated, the amount of time that competition has been around. Sure. Right, it's yeah. so like the Blue yeah. Bond. It's been around for a while. It's right? the big, I mean, oh, yeah. there's like 1,500 entries every yeah. year, so it's oh, a pretty wow. big. You know, it's a pretty big thing. So it's going to attract good judges. Mm-hmm. It's going to attract repeat judges. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I never heard this. So it's, That's it's a kind good of point. a different. It's it's kind of a different mentality. I think people think, and you know, in the end, if you do win, yeah, then you know you have made something. Sure, good, then right? it's yeah, yeah. a bigger pat on your right. back. Right. Well, it's it's just like it's more validating the results. Yeah. So, but you you really have to if you're going to win. Yeah. You've got, or I'm sorry, if you're going to like continue to make a recipe better, it has to continue to show those same If you get one feedback, somebody said this was the best, you know, dunkle they ever had, and the next competition says it sucked, you know, mm. you've got to learn to judge the results a little differently. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's also trying to find ways to stand out, mm. um, to try and stand out in the lineup. When you're having someone who is tasting, you know, uh, a flight of 12 beers in a row, all the same style, mm-hmm. then it becomes, you know, I mean, you could have eight or 10 solid entries in there. And it's like, okay, then it comes down to personal preferences you were talking about earlier. Yeah. And so how is it your beer stands out? Right. And so is this to say that, like, maybe the more popular the category is, the more you, you, you might want to do something to make your beer stand out too? Sure. In other yeah. words, like, yeah, if I'm going to. I don't know. Try, I'm trying to pick an unpopular category now because there aren't many anymore. Like Hefeweizen uh, or wheat beer, even those are pretty. Those are pretty low right now. Those you can like mm-hmm. maybe skate through on subtlety, but if mm-hmm. you're going to put through a hazy IPA, something better stand out. Yeah, it's got to be. Bang- it's. I mean, that's like peel the curtain back a little bit. But when we internationals, we look at last year and said which categories were entered the least. I mean, I go ahead yeah. and give yourself that advantage. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you, you should definitely look at the categories mm-hmm. that are a little. Underattended. Right. Pro right. brewers do that too, right? Like, you, well, you know. yeah, they do. I mean, yeah. they certainly do. I I remember um, twenty seventeen. So we won for Doppelbach, and we really wanted to win for Kolsch, and we didn't. Hmm. And so I went around and I and the Kolsch's that won that year, I could actually go and taste. And I really thought about like, what is the difference between my Kolsch and this Kolsch? And I was like, it's a little bit fruitier. Mm. So we actually made a hop change to our Kolsch. And the next year, we won a bronze nice, yeah. at GBF. Right. And it was funny because I upset the apple cart with all the people at the brewery. They mm-hmm. were like, 
no, no, no. This, this, you know, this isn't this isn't how the Kolsch should be. <laughs> it's less of a traditional Kolsch. <laughs> yeah, because but it, it was it a competition Kolsch. Exactly. But then I was like, well, okay, so this Kolsch won yeah. the bronze. So yeah. you guys, but um, yeah, I I totally get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's like. Mm-hmm. And and for a style as delicate as Kolsch, like mm-hmm. you have to be pretty to style, but just that little tweak to make it stand out. Right. Well, and we did that not only in we did that not only in our uh, Belgian wit that you had just a second ago, but mm-hmm. then also one of these beers that we have in front of you right now. What do we yeah. have? Tell me the, which uh, one to try first. In. It's the one that's a little darker. It yeah. is the uh, it's the dark mild. It's um, oh. it's called Cankles. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. I'm a little. <laughs> I'm in the 90th percentile. Oh. You know, I'm a little need to watch what I eat a little bit too much. Okay, I think the so, 90th uh, percentile. Me and my daughter, my daughter's head is like. You mean big. you're like a high yeah, achiever? She's, like, she's in the 90th percentile. I was like, me too, baby. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Oh. okay. Um, <laughs> We're in this together. <laughs> either way, so I was like, I need to. Jesus, I'm drinking so much all the time. I need yeah. a beer I can drink every day that won't give me cankles. And so that's how I came up with the idea. This mild, oh, really wow. low alcohol. Flavorful beer, and this so this one second at nationals two years ago. This is, this is phenomenal. So, mild. so good. Yeah, it just phenomenal. So, so, what did you? I can tell you what I think stands out. What did you intend to stand out in this beer to do what we're talking about here? This beer, mild to me, is like the floor needs to fall out of the bottom of it because it needs to have a lot of flavor. Mm. It needs to just finish really light, and it needs to not be overstated. That kind of thing. It needs to have a lot of flavor, but then not have too much. You know, too much body. It's a, just a very subtle balance. Yeah, subtle it's, balance. it's super awesome. So, what yeast do you use to ferment this? I think it's ten twenty eight. I think that's right. The London Ale. London Ale. Yeah. London yeah. Ale. Yeah. Yeah. The Y yeast ten twenty eight. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then, oh, this is killer. One of the things which we which we came upon that that worked really well with this spear because we we were doing various British crystals with it and some of those things and but then we found um, and I'm trying, I can't remember it was Sim- it's Simpsons isn't it that makes the yeah, double the roasted crystal double roasted crystal they make this double roasted crystal that has all these like uh, almost have you ever had like a umi raisin cookie where the raisins are almost kind of burnt mm-hmm. yeah it has a little bit of that going on in the background mm-hmm. I remember you know Nick and I both just kind of chomping on the malt a little bit. Mm-hmm. And thought, okay, this this could could give us a little something yeah. in that that mild that might kind of you know make it stand out a little bit when you have somebody trying several miles in a row, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, ooh, what is that? It's a little bit different, and right? Then you know, like you were saying earlier, personal preference that can draw their atten- judges' attention more towards that beer over you know maybe one of the other ones. It's also well made. So sure. this is one of those ones too, where it where it won two years ago. We brewed it. Uh, we got our first round results. They were like, okay, we got to just remake it for a second round. This seems to be working, this idea. Yeah. So I think we brewed four milds in a one-week period mm. and just tried them. And we tried up in the gravity and trying new specialty grains. And, you know, it's it's really trying them all side by side, like if you were judging them yourself. So You guys are like high-achieving homebrewers. <laughs> like, seriously. <Yeah. laughs> the, like nobody does that. The that, fact it's, that it's, this it's, beer doesn't win – Every single competition you ever entered it in mm-hmm. is a lesson in judges' subjectivity. <laughs> this is my favorite beer ever. It's so, it's so good. I'm, I'm 100% serious. It's I promise. So great. Yeah. The, I mean, the malt character is mm-hmm. so lovely. And then it doesn't have, um, like, sometimes you end up with, like, a little phenolic flavor with None of that. English yeast. And it's 
doesn't have any of that. It's just like it has like a cola characteristic without yeah. all the shitty sugary gnarliness of a cola. Yeah. Um, it has a little caramel. It has a little chocolate. And by the way, it has all of these things with the bottom dropping out, as you <laughs> described. Zero like residual sweetness, other than other than those uh, flavors coming through in your palate. Um, this should be served in England everywhere. Well, that was one of the things, too, is it's also a little challenging because not every judge even knows what a good mild tastes like, right? Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, it's not a style, style that you We spoke are at Nationals and we with. served this. This was, a, this was like a personal really good moment. We spoke at Nationals. We had one Ninkasi the previous year. We served this beer during our talk, and yeah. it won the next day. <laughs> And your audience just yeah. melted right into yeah. their chairs. Yeah. This guy, yeah. Yeah. Talking, this guy came like, up to us. He's like, "Where did you learn to make a mild like that? You should not make it this way." Yeah. And he was from England, and he was just, "How did you do it?" And I, oh my god, I don't know. He, he was surprised it was yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah of yeah. course. Yeah, that it meant you know, no English. He was like, "No American brewery can make a mild can make like it like that. this." Yeah. So okay, now just back to our kind of original uh, question of why we're bringing this one up, like. Mm-hmm. I think there's more over there, too, if you want to. Oh, I'll be having more, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We're not going to leave any drop of this behind. No. What does make it stand out, you've described it, I just want to bring it up again, because this is important in competition, Mm -hmm. is all of those bold flavors that are true to style without leaving a bunch of residual sweetness or something that an American brewer, this this is what this Brit was saying, wouldn't normally do. So in your lineup and you're thinking of judges, that's what you guys did. You were like, I'm, we're going to go for all of the stuff that should be in a mild, but leave out all the rest. Mm-hmm. And the rest yes. is what usually gets this beer style in trouble, I think. that it Like, thin is a way I would describe this beer. Not flabby, but like kind of thin. It has a bunch of flavor, but finishes thin, and that's mm-hmm. a mild. It's you know, why you can drink eight pints. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what's shitty about that? This is the bad thing. We, lo- we finished second. And the guy who won first had like a ten fifty eight mild. What? It was like this was huge like beer. He big. made a porter, right? He made a porter and yeah. then as a mild, a mild, and it dominated the category. Yep. And because um, his because the stuff the 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 like sharp points of his beer mm, stuck out right. more. Mm. But unfortunately, the judges then didn't pick up on probably what was left afterwards. Sure. Sure. The aftertaste, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's unfortunate, but that's competition. <laughs> that's right. This is it why is. we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm thinking you guys needed to build in a little time to come do a collab at Crooked Lane. Oh, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> we could. And, no take back. And by collab, she means can you give me this recipe come and come and brew it, brew well, this beer with me? Uh, I'll, I'll put my uh, I'll put my stamp of approval on it or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is like. Like, we, seriously, we tried to brew an ESB, which was not quite up to ESB level. Mm. Um, we had a great name for this beer. I mean, it was, it was a good beer, but it wasn't, it wasn't this beer. Mm. This is, like, killer. I'm glad you like it. Like, <laughs> Super it's be, good. We served it second, because I was like, ah, uh, maybe they won't like it as much. Who knows? Oh, uh, no. No. No, that's the one. Yeah, yeah we, This is probably one of our more favorite brew day beers, too, mm-hmm. because... You can, as you're saying, you can have like five pints of it, oh, and you're man. not, you know, yeah. sitting down mm-hmm. and saying, "Where'd my legs go?" Yeah, um, no, exactly. And when I had good milds in in England, uh, I've talked about this on the show a lot of times. Like it, I, before that, I was like, "Okay, yeah, that beer is." I, I just it wasn't a fan of the style. And then when I had them in England, they were like this, and I went, "Oh, now I get it. Why they're so wonderful." 
full of flavor, light on body, um, disappear. That's just a good beer. It's super good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I got to keep us moving so we can make it through the whole thing. Um, I want to move us to some of your tips and tricks, but we should just point out quickly um, that there's a little luck involved in these competitions as well. There's a little luck involved in maybe where your beer is being tasted in the lineup. There's a little luck involved in how your beer was handled. Um, so as much as we talk about all the things that you can do to stack the deck, there's just there's a bit of luck involved in your competitions, right? Oh, for sure. Okay. For sure. I mean, there's no... Uh, so, and this is more like in the uh, evaluating results and stuff like that. So when you get back after you've decided to enter a competition, and this is, you know, maybe for a first-time enter or something like that, you know, I always say don't be... Don't be butthurt, you know, when you don't get the results you want, right? Mm-hmm. Don't be cynical. I don't know how many times I've heard some brewer be a little too few deep, you know, after the award ceremony and be like, Yeah. I heard 15 beers and nothing won. How can that be possible? They don't know what they're talking about. No, we've know? hung out with JP, too. We know uh, <laughs> we know exactly what you're talking so, about, being a little yeah. too cynical after, yeah. the, after yeah. the fact. You know, it, you don't know. You may have been the beer after an infected beer. Hmm. And, you know, it's like, oh, I'm still tasting that. Medicine you know, on your, it's like, yeah. is, where did it fall? Um, or, like, with the... When we entered a national, did that really big beer dominate our beer because it was so high in gravity, right? It wasn't as balanced as ours is. Sure. Um, so there's a, there's a ton of luck to it. And um, I think even Gordon Strong says, like, 30% of good beers never win. You know, just they completely yeah. get eliminated. Yeah. And, I mean, he's the head BJCP judge, so uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah. it is. So, um, because, yeah, you got to take that stuff into account. And I like your I, I mean, I like your advice. Just don't be too cynical about mm-hmm. it. Enter more than one competition, uh, as Jeff was saying, too. Uh, and I think that maybe you'll find that over the course of, of a few competitions and, and a bunch of feedback, you're you're going to actually get some pretty accurate and good feedback. Yeah, and if you don't, if you find, if, if you do win, get first. Don't think that's the be all and all. Yeah. Totally, beer, right, totally. Right. Oh, I would totally yeah. retire if Stay. I got one Stay first home. place. I would. Yeah. I mean, I retired and I got a third place yeah. once ever. Uh, and I was like, well, that's it for yeah. me. Yeah. 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 All right. We're gonna get into your tips and tricks. I think I'm gonna take us to a break. Okay. Okay. It's mostly because I have to pee. <laughs> uh, because your beer is so good um, that I just keep drinking it. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into these Ninkasi winners' tips and tricks about how we can do better in competition. And I'm looking at my notes here. There's some stuff that maybe you guys haven't thought about before. So hang in there. We'll be right back with more on competition brewing. Segmented. Demented. All right, welcome back. Thanks for hanging out with us. We got a few more things to do and a little more beer to try, including more of the mild that's in our glass. Yeah, there just is not going to be a drop left of this mild. <laughs> no, I feel like we have to share it with my staff though out there. I got to try this good beer. Screw them. Um, Negative. Nope. <laughs> Beam's like fuck them. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, we did have another beer in our glass of yours, though, that I wanted to try real quick before we move on. What's the second beer that you guys had poured for us? Third for the show, but <laughs> you. Got, right. they're pointing at each other to figure out who wants to talk about it. So, well, the, the beer itself, um, it's a barrel-aged beer that we did. Um, 
Nick has a beer that he does every year. Well, he started off with a beer that he did for his firstborn daughter um, that he did, which was a beer that involved ingredients from various countries that he had different nationalities connected with. To the family, okay. Yeah, and then he, for his second daughter, uh, he did a rye porter. And we got a hold of a rye whiskey barrel, and we put it in that first. And then... There was a tragedy. Uh-oh. Yeah, my house burned down. Like a, no, real, like really? a real tragedy. Yeah, like a whole oh, yeah. thing. Oh, no. Yeah, it burned down. Yeah. Wow. And too so. Soon. I know, too soon. It's happening left <laughs> and right over here. Holy cow. Uh, okay, yeah. and you lost the beer? Yeah, we lost the barrel. Yeah. Yeah, it. it it was gone. Is that the only thing you remember losing, or was like the only thing of importance to you in <laughs> no. hindsight? Okay, just no, checking. Just everything we own, it's all right. Trying it's to figure good. out how far gone you are in this beer no, geekery. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> that you're like, yeah, no, everything else was fine. You know, first no. wife. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it didn't make it, so yeah. we we redid it. So okay. Redid it, but then we were looking. You know, we we thought we want to do a barrel again, and so got a hold of an, uh, another rye whiskey barrel. Um, but for this time, we didn't do the rye porter in it. We did an old ale, um, an English old mm-hmm. ale that we did for it, mm-hmm. and put it in there. And Nick and I had never done anything in a barrel before, and we thought, okay, let's let's give it a shot, see what happens. And it ended up oh. turning out okay. Yeah, I oh. feel like you guys are just showing off at this point. Yeah, um, that might be like okay. And I'm yeah. glad that you said old ale because there's a familiarity to it that I couldn't put my finger on. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not quite musty and it's not quite old, um, but it's old ale is what it is. Like it's that it has that just kind of old ale to me tastes like a fresh version of old shit. Which does that sound weird? Um, not duty. Yeah, that but, uh, does sound weird. Like one of the first uh, old, like really old barley wines I was given yeah. had all of these flavors that I liked, like mustiness, grape, fig, a bunch of stuff. Um, but that were then couched with with bad old beer flavors. With just like and super oxidized yeah, old beer. Right. But yeah. to me, a good old ale has like a little fig, a little grape, a little musty, a little like all these things, but it tastes like fresh beer. Hmm. That is what I think this beer has. The best part about this beer, we entered in um, Indiana State Fair and it won first. And, in what category? Uh, wood Age Beer. Yeah. And oh, nice. John Blickman won second. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> nicely and I posted done. on his thing. I was like, the only thing better about winning first is beating John. Yeah. With his own oh, beer. my God. You know, so. I might have thought. the beer, got you, fucker. <laughs> I might have behaved that way it. about yeah. beating Beechwood uh, <laughs> with a beer. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Um, a little bit of uh, a little bit of alcohol heat in like a super appropriate way. Mm-hmm. Um, not too heavy on 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 the wood. Like there's not a ton of tannins. Really, just kind of subtle with that. This yeah. is another. Yeah, you guys are just showing off now. Yeah, it's like totally well integrated, balanced. How long was it in the barrel? Five months, maybe. Yeah, maybe a little over five months. We so did month. you guys have like a like a full size barrel? No, like a little petite. Whiskey. Oh, like a like a fifteen, a 15 gallon. gallon barrel. A fifteen gallon. Okay. And it was one where where Nick actually kept it in he and his wife's bedroom. Um, <laughs> That's the special secret. <laughs> oh, the secret sauce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people play music to yeah. their beer. Yeah. Others. <laughs> others. Others are up with their babies late at night yeah, while they're right. crying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so there was this one time where we decided, okay, we, you know, we, we want to try it, see mm-hmm. where it's at, you know, because you want to try it a little bit. So we. Uh, but his wife was asleep. Well, no, no she no. was in the other room. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're in there. We're in their bedroom, 
and we, we got we got this little you know hammer that we're trying to get the bung out. Yeah, and we're you know banging on it a little bit. Right, <laughs> right. Little bit by little bit, and then you know it, 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 we take it out. It kind of pops out a little bit. Well, a little bit of pressure. Okay. It's a little odd. Okay. And you know it starts to kind of flow out a little bit. Oh, like, oh this isn't good. Yeah. And then the geyser. Comes oh out. no. <laughs> This is in the rent house that the oh, insurance guy no. for the Burt house, and it was like fear oh. everywhere. And, oh, my gosh. Um, so that's the secret. That's what's got to happen when you make this. No, it, was, it just hadn't finished fermenting all the way, right? Oh, okay. And so there was a little bit of, a little bit of build up. pressure, pressure yeah. build up there. And um, his daughter came in. And he Daddy, said, what happened? Get every towel we have in the house. Yeah, every, yeah. and the neighbors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. It's crazy. Well, then this is a good sign. We've talked about this in the show before, too. Never throw away your beer until the last minute. Mm-hmm. Like, that could have been one of those moments you were like, well, that beer's no good. Right. And it came out like this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fantastic. That's good beer. All right. I want to get us through uh, everything that we can so we can teach everybody um, about this. So uh, one thing that I think you guys do is brew a lot. Like, you got to brew a lot. And our listeners who have been here for a long time know that this was like a, this was, you know, Jamil's first, I think, important advice was fermentation control, a temperature control. Uh, his second was like, brew a ton. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the book Brewing Classic Styles came about because he just made it his mission to brew every style on earth and enter mm-hmm. and and win try to get a medal for every style on earth in a competition uh which not everybody can do that except jeff now because he he doesn't have a job um <laughs> but you guys brew a lot clearly and uh, i think yeah. this, this is part of your advice mm-hmm. you you have to i mean there's no. you can't uh well one you can't just like compare a beer that you made to the adjustment right so if you make a beer and then you're gonna adjust it you have to brew it and then it has to be kind of recent mm-hmm. in your memory or at least somewhat so i'd say jeff and i brew uh if it's peak time we're brewing once a week yeah you guys were saying mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. a lot you mm-hmm. know you mm-hmm. try to every tuesday or whatever mm-hmm. you guys yeah. are trying to brew once a week that's yeah. really a lot uh but you know when it's busy season or it was advent or some shit or whatever jeff has got going on at the church <laughs> i mean we maybe brew once a month or something like that but right and then when you do competitions we really get up for it i mean it's important you do a, a competition calendar and you kind of pick one. It's much better to yeah. get up for one comp, right? Yeah. And so we'll, um, we, I mean, we'll brew fifteen beers or something like that for wow. a single comp. If that's like an unknown, I don't know why, but it's there's a percentage, like it's a calculated percentage almost that I think good brewers have to say, well, if I enter eight beers, I'm going to get two of them that win, you I know, see. or three of them that win. So there's a percentage to it. So uh, it's better to get up for one comp. So you're not just talking about brewing a lot for the experience of brewing. Mm-hmm. You're talking about brewing a lot for a competition and, Correct, and sure. entering multiple categories. And, yeah. and part of that planning, too, is, is you look at when the beers hit their peak. And, you know, hoppy beers, if you're brewing them, you know, two months out from the, the competition, you're not going to do that very, do that, do that well because it needs to be, needs to be yeah, fresher. Right. Those hops need to pop. And so, you know, we look at the, look at the competition calendar, when the entries need to go in, and we look and say, okay, you know, these beers need to be brewed, you know, a couple months out because they need a little bit more time on them or they're lagers. These ones need a little bit closer. And then we usually have times where we're brewing you know, up to a couple of weeks right before the competition. Yeah. Um, like uh, Kankles gets brewed, what, like about a week and a half 
two weeks usually before the entries are due. Before you have to ship them out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you're, you guys are writing out a schedule mm-hmm. for yes. every competition. Mm-hmm. Now let's, just, let's take uh, well, Blue Bonnet. Why not? You're writing out a schedule. You're going to go, well, here's all the styles we want to brew. Let's call it 15 different styles. And then you you schedule that out. Oh yeah, yeah. wow! Well, it's like okay. when, when Nick and I get back, we got to brew Jesticles, um, <laughs> yeah. which is uh, the, the the dark uh, dark strong the quad. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Well, we brewed on his birthday. It's it's Jesticle, but we call it Jesticles. You know, so it's, Jeff, it's his birthday. Jeffsticles. Jeffsticles. We yes. had to edit that for the newspaper when it. <laughs> yeah, got, yeah. They come in and interview the priest. They're like, "What's yeah, the beer no name?" And I'm like, "You got fired." Yeah. <laughs> Jeffsticles. Uh, no, Jeffsticles. <laughs> I know you didn't get fired. You know, but but even Jeff's tickle is inappropriate. Yeah, Jeff's right. tickle. Yeah, actually, that's even worse. <laughs> that might be worse. You have to be more careful Father about Jeff's really tickle. Is so good. <laughs> that's not good. What did you... <laughs> Show us on the bear. Gotcha, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're like, no, no. No, uh, it's what definitely did not you, that. What did you edit it to for the article? Um, Just tickle. Like festicle. Just, yeah. I see, Just I see, I see, I see. Okay. That was what it was supposed to be, but... It, you know, I guarantee you know. everybody read that as Jeff Stickles. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's hilarious. So we're brewing that one for Blue Bonnet. Um, when, <laughs> actually, when we get back. Yeah. And there's a couple of those other things that we'll, we'll get going for Blue yeah. Bonnet. And don't think we're brewing like 15 beers in a month. We'll say like – Right, you're we, spacing we, this out. We still have some sort of a life, I think, right? I'm, I think we do. At it least. doesn't sound like yeah. it. Yeah, it doesn't. But, you know, we'll <laughs> say like, oh, we want to get our entries up for Blue Bonnet or Dixie Cup or whatever's coming up. Yeah. So we'll brew some lagers that can age a little bit. Yeah. We'll, like this wood age beer, we only made this because like, we need some more stuff that will just age and we can put in because we're having to brew too much for a competition. What are you fermenting all this in? Uh, carboys? Because yeah. I know you don't have this many like stainless temperature mm-hmm. control mm-hmm. conicals sitting around. No, it's just <laughs> carboys in fridges. Yeah. And actually, fr- like chest freezers and stuff? That we you have just-, just a dedicated like refrigerator. You've got just a carboy stuck in there okay but you guys have if you're i'm just trying to picture your like lead up to mm-hmm. your your you you have to we've already talked about how important temperature control fermentation is so everything you're putting in a carboy is going into something mm-hmm. um so you just also then space it out enough it's not just time for the beer but like how much space you have to put carboys in temperature control mm-hmm. it, i mean it's a lot like running a brewery yeah. Because you have yeah, a lot I, of logistics to it. I absolutely. mean, I do have a very understanding wife and like four fridges in my garage. Let's not okay. undersell that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that is what it is. So, um, yeah. you know, we'll, um, let's say we're going to brew six beers or something like that for the ales that have to be ready kind of in a very specific time. Mm-hmm. You say like, okay, you do have to make some concessions. I mean, we still are home brewers. So we'll say, okay, we'll keep the first week and primary temperature yep. controlled then move it out into like you know even just a closet or something like that where we can uh, well let and, it and that's the most important bit. time mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. Right. you know so mm-hmm. and then um you know but we're cold crashing everything in there and stuff like that so. and then yeah. everything sits in a keg basically in in cold in cold space until mm-hmm. it's time to ship yeah. out as well yeah we don't in- bottle anything Except yeah, we don't bottle condition anything, but then we will sometimes, if we're in need of keg or space, um, we will go ahead and bottle the, the the ones that we're wanting to use for competition, and then you know the rest of it we'll we'll drink or you know we'll maybe put in a smaller keg or something like that. We've got mm-hmm. a few two and a half and three gallon kegs that we'll put stuff in. This sounds like a lot of beer. I'm thinking you got in trouble for using the church's walk-in from time <laughs> to time because I know you guys had a walk-in if you're putting on these big old dinners and stuff. Did you used to store beer at the, in the at the church? <laughs> Answer wisely. Yeah. 
I don't think you're allowed to lie. I'm trying to think if I ever did. I don't think so. I don't think... This sounds like an awful lot of beer no, between because, the two of you. I mean, well, because, I mean, Nick has several fridges. I had I had two fridges and, and two kegerators. Okay, yeah. And so, I mean, it wasn't too hard to, to find places to, to store all this stuff. Sure, okay. Yeah. I okay. know it's, it sounds like more than it is. I, it is a lot, but, I mean, it's it's doable with a couple of fridges and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a lot of times I'd ask people at my church, you know, say, if you have a fridge you're getting rid of, let me know. Yeah. And we definitely give away more beer than we drink. Okay, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then do you also brew beers that you could enter across multiple categories? Is that part of your plant, your strategy here? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes what we will do is we'll have beers that we will brew that we know are right, can be right there on the line between between categories. And so we'll brew them and enter them in, in both. Okay. Um, you know, we'll have something that, you know, is right there that it's kind of light for an IPA, but a little bit strong for, for a pale ale, but we'll enter it in both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or we'll have a, you know, a Scottish ale that we'll do. This happens on the pro side too. Oh yeah, yeah. I have a double IPA that I that's what we sometimes have. enter as a single. Yeah, yeah. We, Wookie I mean, Dust. Yeah, we have a beer called Wookie Dust, and it's um, you know it's one of those beers that's really a double, and it wins. I mean, it wins as a double. It, it rarely it'll win as an IPA though too. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. but it probably scores well as an IPA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you'll do that. So that saves a little space also. Oh mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one thing, well, a couple of things I wanted to get uh, into the nitty gritty with you guys is about recipe formulation and choosing ingredients. And you mentioned early on being particular about your ingredients. You know, with the first beer that we tried with the wit and coriander being something that was exceptional. Um, but you even mentioned that, like, not all two-row is alike. You, you like a certain two-row. So can we talk about, like, recipe formulation and how you guys have ended up uh, choosing ingredients or, or, or how people should choose ingredients? Sure. I would say on the ingredients choice, and I'll let you talk about recipe formulation. Okay. But um, I don't get it. Like, if I don't understand how a lot of home brewers kind of approach the idea. They just go into the store, say, give me mosaic. It's good to go. You know, and then there's no year on it or anything like that. Right. Um, you have no idea. I mean, John Mallet and all these brewers are going up to, you know, the hop harvest and smelling – 50 different mosaics to make sure they've got just the one they want, right? And not even, by the way, small brewers mm -hmm. get the opportunity Mm -hmm. to do that. Never mind home brewers. Yeah, so so it's important to just kind of say, okay, what is this? So the best thing for us is we use a lot of online vendors who have a crop in a year, and you can kind of, uh, you know, kind of repeat it that way. Okay. Get what you want as opposed to just going into the store. And, you know, we try to not take for granted – you know, you just say, I need two row. I mean, there's some limitations. We are home brewers, and you walk into the store, and the guy's like, hey, we just don't have it. We're out, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So um, you do have to make some concessions. But we try to always uh, pick our ingredients. And we're always looking for something new, like with the mild. We like that double roasted crystal, right? Mm-hmm. So if you kind of keep your ear to the ground and find things that come out that way and say, okay, this is a beer, or it's something that is relatively new, some of these specialty malts that come out. Like the Midnight Wheat when we won for the uh, mm-hmm. Black IPA and then this other one. So that helps because you can give yourself a slight advantage. There's just a lot of advances in technology right now. So I might throw a little plug for uh, Yakima Chief Hops while mm-hmm. you're at this because they just opened uh, their online store at this year's HomebrewCon, actually. Mm-hmm. So you can buy direct from Yakima Chief Hops, and they have a lot of information about the lot numbers and things like that. Mm-hmm. So. Even if you were ever to ask your favorite commercial brewer, like, oh, what was that awesome mosaic? Mm-hmm. 
I'm not saying you can go do that exactly through Yakima Chief, but they put the lot information up there so you could you could maybe find it. You could compare. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good point. Um, you know, it's not like you can just go in and start opening a bunch of four-ounce bags of hops at your local <laughs> homebrew shop all the time, although some might let you do it. But it might be worth the money to buy a four-ounce bag of hops and, like, give it a smell and before you decide to buy the rest for your brew? Yeah. Well, I mean, I is that something you would do? For us, we're brewing so much anyway, we have to buy some bulk, right? So, like, yeah. <clears throat> we buy online just usually at one pound at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's important that um, you save the money there, too. And on, and on top of that, you're getting a better product. So it's just one of those things. Well, it's, I mean, a lot of times homebrewers don't realize how much the hop harvest will vary from year to year. But it's like, okay, folks, this is a food product. Yeah. And food products vary, whether whether we want to realize it or not. It, they really do. Yeah. And we had, we had a beer that we used that had quite a bit of centennial hops in it and got, you know, the next year's harvest centennial. And we made the beer and we're like, whoa, yeah. what is this? Yeah. yeah. And we realized it was just that the centennial hops had changed just a little bit. Oh, man, of course. And it was, and so it's, it's, it can be very important on sourcing that. So that's a, I like this point. This is a great point. You also, you guys have decided on your favorite, like two row. You Correct. just, you know, by try. This is by trial and error, by the way. Yes. Yeah. And RAR is yours. Yes. I mean, and that's that's no slight on on any of the other malts sure, out yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you find a malt that has the the flavor profile that you're wanting, that you're comfortable with. You know how it how how the malt acts. Yeah. And, you know everything like that or during the mashing process and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And you you stick with it as much as you can. And then you know we we, we do that as a, as a, you know all like I said along with the hops and some of the other stuff too. Yeah. But when we have our, our recipe formulation, um, what we do you know we're big on is as we were mentioning earlier the idea of tasting the commercial examples first. You, know, you taste the commercial examples. You look up uh, you know trusted recipes that are mm. out there, whether it be you know from Jamil's book or Gordon Strong's or some of the other people who have written you know some wonderful books out there. Yeah, you, you look at those resources. You don't just go to a random forum and say, "Oh yeah, here's somebody yeah. who made a cream ale." Right. Yeah, uh, sorry, another shameless plug, but like this is more for the time that Jamil and Tasty spent on the Can You Brew It series oh, yeah. that they did. I think they did that totally. for over three years. Just you can search on our website. So if one of those beers is in the BJCP, if you search our website and find that they did it, they actually talked to the brewer and got the exact recipe from from that brewer. That show, I mean, so I like your idea that just go use all the resources you can. There's a lot out there to and that, as you're designing your own beer. Mm-hmm. People yeah. ask us all the time. They're like, "How did you get to this <clears throat> level so fast? Where you won this award?" And yeah. I mean, our cover of Brewing Classic Styles is ripped off. Yeah, I mean, it should be, yeah. I mean, we, that's, that was the starting point. And, um, you know, it was like, oh, our favorite IPA was like Celebration. So we go look up, can you brew it? And then, right. you know, just kind of start there. And it's like, are you retarded not to use these Just resources? to use like, it. Yeah, not? well, like, also people are like, well, I don't like the Brewing Network because they yeah. say dick or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but Jamil and Tasty spent so much. Well, first of all, Jamil and Palmer spent so much time on that book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then Jamil and Tasty spent so much time on that show. Mm-hmm. And one of the criticisms they got, because, um, you know, the show is called Can You Brew It? One of the criticisms they would get is like, well, you're, you're interviewing the brewer about the recipe. Of course you could brew it after that. Truth be told, they would fail all the time because of all these other variables we've been discussing. But anyhow, in the meantime, what you ended up with was an accurate recipe delivered from the brewer's mouth. It was never like they sent it in on paper. Jamil would sit there on the microphone and go, 
which two row did you use? Mm-hmm. Which yeah. yeast did you use? How much hops? Like it was, you know, straight from the horse's mouth, basically. So I like your guys's approach here, where you just all of the uh, there's it, it's not just brewing network stuff. All of the resources available mm-hmm. to you, use them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if a lot of people realize, but those award-winning recipes every year at NHC are posted every year. Right? Oh, right. So, mm-hmm. like, I did know, not. Our, know that, our recipes are right there. <laughs> That's right? cool. There's no so when we go to make something for nationals. Um, we'll look and say, oh, what? who won last year? What did they do? Yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Well, the, so you guys have gone through designing great beers, too, I think, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, so it gives you even, even a range. Like, it'll mm-hmm. – um, what he's done, and I'm super proud to say we're going to be in the next – edition of this because he reached out and got a recipe for our doppelbock which i'm nice so it's like my world has come full circle but it's got it gives a range for each of the malts that are used in like you know the top 20 recipes that you know he collected and i i think that's super helpful because when you're starting to do recipes you don't want to start from scratch you don't want to reinvent the wheel you're well, trying you to adapt the style yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean I, that i think that's a misconception is people always think i gotta start from nothing and make something that's all my own yeah. well if you do that you're probably gonna miss the mark by like a country mile you yeah. know and you're gonna have to like dial it back yeah so like yeah. start start from something that's gonna meet the range of what is acceptable for that style and then make it your own you know don't like you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Sure. No. Yeah, I don't. I, you're starting. It's you're adding six months or whatever to the process. And what we'll also do is is when you when you have homebrewers that you've met that have done well in competitions, um, you talk to them, and and they're they're yeah. not you know they're not you know little demigods that you can't approach and and talk with. I mean, you know, the, yeah. Ask them. Say, what did you do for this? And yeah. Most of them are very open. Will say, well, this is what I you know what I do. This is part of my process. This yeah. is What I do differently. And learn from that. Sure. And you take that and you move forward when you when you start pro, you know putting together your recipe. Mm-hmm. And you know don't be afraid of some trial and error. Sure. Um, you know smelling the or tasting the malt, smelling the hops, doing all of those things, and then tasting throughout your process. That's something which Nick and I are big on as well. Mm. Um, we taste throughout all the way from the point where you know we, we're tasting the the word as it's running off into the kettle. We're tasting it um, as. You know, it's 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 boiled after a little while. We taste it after you know we've chilled. We've tasted after, um, you know, it's it's started fermentation, and, and a lot of that has helped us to learn not only how um, how the, the the beer will develop, but then also some right. little things here and there where you know Nick has had some panic moments where we had a we noticed with a couple of our loggers we we're pitching White Labs eight thirty three the box strain, and we we tasted it and we're like holy mackerel. It smells and tastes like wet dog. Uh oh. Yeah. You know, what happened? What did we do? This and that. <laughs> and and it was something we found that you know, was within our process that just would happen in, in, in the fermentation. And, and they go away. They'd go away. Yeah. And the beer came out spectacular. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, tasting that, we knew, okay, here's going through the wet dog phase. And, right. You know, this, you know but it, it'll all turn out fine. Yeah. And so, tasting it throughout the process is very important. Tasting it, um, after you you've made it, tasting it as it ages, all those things, sure. and, and tasting it critically, um, and then going back to the styles and tasting your beer that you made against that, against the styles again, mm-hmm. and say, okay, did we hit the mark? Did we not? Right. Yeah. You guys are spending a lot of time with your beer, and I think that's important <laughs> to point out that 
Not so you can. In, Maybe that's you, good. Why I never did swipe. You, right can, <laughs> <laughs> you got yeah. You can keep yourself busy. Uh, uh, you might do well in competition by spending less time, but I think that anybody I've ever met who's won in Kasi is spending this amount of time and, and really following the, this detailed uh, of a process to do that. Um, all right. Anything else we want to wrap up with? Anything that we didn't cover that you guys really want to make sure we get in there? Uh, water's important. Okay. Water, yeah, water's the single biggest thing we've ever done to our beer. I think that up the quality. The ad- adjustment to, to mm-hmm. water? Yeah, so we start with RO water, 100% on every recipe, and we build with minerals and stuff like that. Really? So, um, so building to style for every single one you do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for us in particular, it, it's important because in Texas, um, because we don't have – I mean, water is a little bit scarce in some ways. And um, various cities are drawing from different lakes and different supplies yeah. all through the all the time. And so – you know, you can have your water tested one month, and it's going to test differently the next month and the differently the month after that. Okay. And so we do our water, build it up, and we noticed our, our beer took just like an astronomical leap forward in, in, in its quality. Okay. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I can believe that. I think this mild is probably one of your best examples of that because it's such a subtle, like, delicate beer that um, – I bet this beer was not nearly as good before you guys adjusted your water to, to Oh, I'm to sure. Be and this, it was know. one of those things. So um, that I can't think of too much other stuff. I mean, it's. I think a lot of pe- a, a lot of people might be turned off by this, and then a, a, the same because it just seems like too much for some people, right? Like it's. I don't have that level of commitment to this, or it's just a fun hobby. Um, but then there's those crazies out there, like the rest of us. You know, it's just yeah. one of those yeah. things. Everybody's got their little rabbit hole to sure. go down. Well, so. let's be clear. You wouldn't have listened to this whole episode if you weren't interested in this part. Oh, sure, so everybody yeah. who's yeah, tuned in sure. this this far is very, very interested in what you're talking yeah. about. They are beer geeks in this sense. Oh, sure. um, so it's great advice and very detailed um, Hopefully it's not just my mom. Uh, <laughs> uh, we are we are writing this down. There will be a more less scattered, squeaky voice version of this. Uh, you know, in like six months, we're writing an article for Brion Magazine on this whole topic. Oh, great. Um, and I'm, we probably will talk about it, too, at Nationals this year uh, in Nashville, I think. So. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm excited um, about Nashville. Yeah. You can sign up for Brew Your Own Magazine right on the Brewing Network homepage. It's on the left side. Click Brew Your Own. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a great subscription to a, a very good magazine. So that's cool. Uh, you guys are going to so all, most of what we talked about today uh, will be in in a concise yeah, article yeah. there. Yeah, and we have you can follow us on uh, our homebrew club is Draft Punk. There's three mm-hmm. of us. Mm-hmm. There's my friend Cameron who makes a three. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> How did I end up with a T-shirt of yours ten I was, years ago? I own a screen printing company. I just oh, float them point. out. Yeah. I feel like it was hand-given right. yeah, to me, though. Did I just to, meet you? I think a, when you came to Blue Bonnet, that's what it was. Gave it away. I still um, have that shirt somewhere. Yeah. I brought yeah. you a new shirt. You did? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Good, because so. when I say somewhere, I mean I don't know where. But <laughs> yeah. it was my favorite. Yeah. I got one of those. And then, um, like I said, you can follow us on Instagram. It's Draft Punk Beer, okay. I think. Mm-hmm. And then we have a little blog. We're trying to get started, Draft Punk. Nice. Dot beer. So it's one of those things. Uh, I don't know where we're going with this thing, but it's... We're trying well, to figure out different things to do. So, well, you guys be, ever... at least one of needs a job now. So maybe <laughs> you know, see if you guys open a brewery. Or not. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like if you ever decide to open a brewery, you're going to be just fine. Yeah, like, it's going to be good <laughs> you, beer. You've laid the groundwork. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, but I mean, we're having we're having a lot of fun and enjoying things, just homebrewing and being in the homebrew world. Yeah, yes. I hate that people move out of this space so quickly. It's like, yeah, why have fun with it? You're right. 
Yeah. Jamel, by the way, before he opened a brewery, didn't take his own advice. Said the same thing. He was like, don't do it. Yeah, just enjoy your enjoy your time, enjoy your hobby, mm-hmm. uh, enjoy the joy that it brings you, mm-hmm. um, and and yeah, don't make too much of it. You already have a, a entre- <laughs> entrepreneur job. Yeah. So, uh, how long has your print shop been open? Fifteen years. Yeah. Oh, so you're practically unemployed. You make your own <laughs> schedule. You do what you yeah. want to. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it is what it is. Um, well, listen, gentlemen, thank you so much for, for hanging out and teaching us about uh, homebrewing and for sharing your beer. Sure. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Jeff, listen, I could talk to you for days, man. Yeah, <laughs> I let you off easy. It's a, it's a fascinating, fascinating story. Yeah, we can always come back. I was, you, you, uh, you know what? You should. Uh, in fact, we, you know, just uh, behind the curtain a little bit for our listeners. Actually, I spoke to to Nick uh, at, at uh, HomebrewCon, uh, who, who just had uh, great ideas, and then sent us a list of topics, uh, which Bev sent to me like, hey, what do you want to cover with these guys? And my answer was, I want to cover every single topic. So why don't we just start with one? So I would love to have you back. Um, You don't always have to fly out, although it's nice to see you. Um, I'm going to be traveling a little bit, so maybe I'll come uh, do one in Texas with you guys. We can record some, but you you have a lot of knowledge to share, and um, yeah, yeah. I I hope you know. It just seems like there's so many professional brewers out there right now. They're all going, so we want to see people stay in this community in the (laughs) homebrew side. Come on, yeah, yeah. Stay with the homebrewers. I do have to ask you this, Jeff. Yeah, I'm sorry. Don't worry. This was not all weird or anything. Okay. I'm curious what your like. What is a skill set for you? What kind of jobs are do you look for after being uh, a priest for so long? Well, that's an interesting. What does the resume look like? Yeah. You know what I mean? There must be something. There's, there's got to be some year gap. <laughs> well, or not? I'm thinking there's stuff I don't think about. Like maybe there's a business degree in there. Like I don't know what. What? Sure. What, yeah. Well, I mean, in, as I had to look at that as I started for the very first time writing a resume. I'd never done that. You know, I went into seminary at 18, nine years of, of, of seminary education and, and you know schooling, and then you know going to priesthood, 18 years of that. Yeah. You know, so 27 years of my life. You know, yeah. I'm 45 now. I mean, you're basically a PhD, right? <laughs> well, I mean, kind of. Just in what? Um, <laughs> well, in de- what did you discover PhD, as you PhD. looked at that? He has a master's in church history. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Well, so yeah. Jesus. PhD. Yeah. Which, Jeff likes Jeebus. Which works, but not everywhere. Well, and so I, I started looking at it, and I talked to a couple of friends, and I said, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I don't know what I have to offer. And they said, yeah. okay, some of it is looking at what you did and realizing that there are real-world applications for it. And I said, right. Like, like what? And they said, okay, well, tell me on the practical side what you did at the parish. How big was your budget? I said, well, we had a $3.5 million budget for the church, uh, $2.5 million for the school. It was pre-K three through eight. Right. And yeah. you know, and they said, well, did you do hiring and firing? I said, well, yeah, I had to do that. And they said, okay. They said, did you manage budget? Yeah, I had you know, manage that large budget. You know, I had to not only set the budget, you know, manage it, do things like that. And they just, you oversaw the finances. Yes. And they said, you've got a lot of things which were skills that you used yeah. that could be used in the business world. Mm-hmm. Um, this just, is what I'm getting at, is that okay. there's probably a whole feature set that people will be like, he ran a very large company mm-hmm. or a very large corporation. Like, there's a number of ways, depending on who the who the job, uh, who the employer is, would mm-hmm. look at it and go, this person's no slouch. He had to run a fairly large organization. That's oh, kind of what I was asking yeah, about, mm-hmm. is what you thought about. And then, you know, I'm very comfortable speaking to people. You know, I, I mean, I had... 
Mary. managing uh, different personalities. Oh, yeah. Oh, good Lord, oh, if you don't mind me saying. But good Lord, did you have to manage some personalities, I bet. There were some, <laughs> there were some challenges. You're probably a management rock star, <laughs> actually. But then, you know, and also just, you know, dealing not only with that, but then, um, you know, dealing with the fact of every weekend coming up, talking in front of yeah. several thousand people. Yeah. Preparing yeah. like like a huge presentation, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you've got to keep me up to date. I'm very curious how right. this goes for you. I think somebody who who hires you is is in for a treat. I think you. <laughs> I hope so. Well, because also what just what you've done is so multifaceted, and I think that's kind of difficult to find. It's hard to this like this is an obvious statement. It's hard to find good employees, sure. uh, especially somebody who's like well rounded. And I think that this is like a sounds like boot camp for management to me, <laughs> yeah. like some serious boot camp for management. <laughs> I wish you so much luck. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. That. Yeah, Thanks. man. Um, and Nick, thank you for, for reaching out to me, following up, and, and putting this together. I look forward to our next topics. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, you, you, you will hear from us. Awesome. Um, all right. I have to do a couple other things before we go. Um, Jeff, what do you know about manscaping? <laughs> That's what I was afraid. I was I'm like, curious, there's a man. Um, there's going to be a manscaping. Have you, uh, have is you this ever, where the Adam and Eve thing comes ever, in? Well, Adam and Eve isn't with us okay, anymore. But, make sure. but manscaped is. And you I'm, never like, no. I mean, I'm curious, Father Beer, have you have you ever manscaped before? Jeff, don't answer. Don't answer, Jeff. It's a trick. It's a trick. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? I, I have heard of it. Okay. So... <laughs> Well, listen, right now, now that you're uh, out in the world with the rest of us, if you were to go to manscaped.com. I didn't know there was a website, though. Oh, there's a whole website. In fact, they have this entire uh, this entire th- product you can buy. It's called the Perfect Package 2.0. Oh, no. Um, and within the Perfect Package, um, you're going to find there, they have an electric trimmer, which is waterproof and skin safe. It's called the Lawnmower 2.0. Uh, <laughs> so, so you can do it right in the shower, Father. Uh, <laughs> does it make it worse that I keep throwing, Vivo's like, Vivo's losing it behind you. She's like, she's seriously trying to find something to hide behind. I took my headphones off. That's okay. She's like, nope. Done. See, I think that Jeff and I would have been friends in his church because I'm a bit like Nick. I wouldn't have been afraid. I'm not like I the I have a lot of respect, but I'm not like afraid to have real conversations with real people. But I'm this sorry, but you're talking about you to go to church. <laughs> okay, yes, and also this is not a conversation you just spark up with a new friend. Hey, father, how do you trim your balls? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Uh, but yeah, I would have appreciated never ever hearing that. <laughs> Listen, the thing Somebody is, cares. The, cares. Jeff. The thing is, you got to start thinking about this stuff now, man. Um, it's a it's a harsh world out there, and um, I'm trying to help. In fact, there are two stories I want to follow with Jeff. <laughs> I want to follow his career path <laughs> and his manscaping path uh, as time goes on. Anyhow, if you go and order the Perfect Package 2.0, you get the electric trimmer, uh, which is waterproof and skin safe, um, and um, you'll create less mess because you're in the shower. Um, (laughs) It also comes with their Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer, so you can use that. Um, You don't just have to deodorize your armpits anymore. Um, And then finally, it actually includes anti-chafing performance Boxer briefs. 
Um, what? I haven't heard about these. Yeah, this, this is, is new. new. This yeah. is new in the in the perfect package 2.0 package. So, um, so are they saying that the perfect package 1.0 was not quite perfect? They're they saying need to upgrade. I mean, we can always improve on things. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking that the that the performance briefs would even be good in the church. I mean, you guys had to wear some like very warm clothing, like a whole. Th- I've been to I've been to I've been to mass. <laughs> And I'm thinking, yeah, I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> wow. I had to uh, more than once. Okay. I always liked mass, actually. My it's mom really didn't nice. take me, but I would go when I would go back east. Mm-hmm. And uh, my aunt Glo- I have a, a, my Italian family. They're like Italian Roman Catholics out there. So okay. Auntie Gloria and Uncle Tony would take me. Auntie Lola was there. Uncle Guido had to go. <laughs> I'm not making this shit up right no, now. I <laughs> Uh, anyhow, you can get 20% off all of this and free shipping when you use coupon code BREWING. Write it down, Father. BREWING at manscaped.com, and your balls will thank you. That's from Manscaped. If that's not the best read that they have ever gotten from a, <laughs> from a sponsor before... I mean, talk about reaching out to the crowd that didn't mm-hmm. know about you yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. That's like I'm, building a bridge. I'm going to write to them personally. To, I actually have to send them never when been. I do the read. I'm going to be like, listen, has anybody you sponsored ever had a former priest <laughs> in their room that you talked about manscaping with? And I, you might have just gotten me signed up for like years. Of, yeah. You didn't even have to do anything except for be here. <laughs> You might, know. Get, yeah. you might get a free man's perfect package oh 2.0 my coming. They're going to write back and they'll be like, give us his address. We were, we are we were all horrified, yeah. but now we're kind of delighted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. Still still horrified. Still horrified. Still yeah, horrified. Bev, Bev can't handle it. <laughs> yeah. Bev has standards. Mm-hmm. You know. uh, you're wonderful. You're a good sport. Everybody is. And uh, a lot of fun hanging out with you. I thought there was a different show on next week than, I'm, than, I, than is on my calendar. It, uh, there was a scheduling confusion okay. so so now it's ogo pogo brewing it's ogo pogo brewing in studio ogo pogo brewing on on the show next week um i don't think i'm here I think i'm missing next you're week. not here so hang on good luck with that i'm glad because i because the other one we had planned was with flat tail and i want to be i want to yeah. be back here for that yeah, yeah is that getting scheduled again soon i'm hoping i'm working on it because i see some dates in december so i hope we're gonna Fill it in. No, there. Some another, dates that need to be filled in. in December. There's another date in November that I'm holding for it. Got it. Okay. Excuse me. Bless you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Jeff. <laughs> that means a lot. That, that means, means a lot, lot coming from you. It's like, oh, it just An felt good even. <laughs> yeah. The, Nobody said that to me in ages. The joy washed over. <laughs> yeah. Um, you want to hear about how I almost got arrested this week, Jeff? Ooh. No, I already told that story. You have to, you're going to have to go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, thank you guys for being here. I appreciate it again so, so very, very much. <laughs> We're going to enjoy some beer with you after the show here. I'll get us off air. Um, I don't have JP here to do all the normal things that he does, but who really listens to that stuff anyway, right? All right. Uh, let's just play his outro song. And uh, the folks will be back on the show next week. I believe Sully is in studio next week, right? I think so. With Ogo Pogo Brewing. Uh, go search for Draft Punk. You can learn about what they're doing. And what was the, there was another website you gave, I thought, for updates it's, and information. It's 
draftpunk.beer. Just that's the website. Okay. Yeah. Go check Draft it out. Um, and look out for their upcoming article in Brew Your Own magazine. Uh, both Nick and Jeff writing that so that you can learn all of this there. But you will have heard it first here. On sure, yeah. indeed. Which I like. Sure. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Take care of yourselves. Cherry.